Sure. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. What are your all-time top five favorite records? <laughs> In the club or at home? Listen. Tell you what. Why don't I just make you tape? Now, the making of a good compilation tape is a very subtle art. Many do's and don'ts. First of all, you're using someone else's poetry to express how you feel. This is a delicate thing. So for this one, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. What is this going to stop? Do you remember I'm back in 1966? Country Jesus, hear me the blues, that's where I learned my lead. Up on coast to coast, down line to line, the air was county there. We're going to check it if we need to redo it. We start the show off today with ZZ Top. And that only means one thing. The B-E-D. Black Girl Douglas is in the house. Part of the Black Rock Coalition is a salute to ZZ Top. (laughs) And Earl, you just love this band, right? 
No, I love. How can I love Jimi Hendrix's favorite guitars? The Texas Triplets, as you always called them over there at NEW. Here they come. Here come the Texas Triplets coming at you. A little old band from Texas. Uh, Earl in the house with us today, which means later on in the show we will play the Black Girl song by Brother Joe. Um, Earl, first of all, I don't know whether you know this, but of course, thanks for coming in. Uh, we're kind of recording this. This is from last night. Uh, because right now I'm at Grand Jury. Oh boy. I've been at this, today's my fourth day. In four days of being in Grand Jury, I've seen three of Earl's cousins and two uncles. Hey. <laughs> They're in trouble again. Go ahead and take me. Because I got more time than money. Not, uh, jailhouse doesn't scout these people. They are willing to go. Not a shred of fear. No. <laughs> Three hot meals a day. Well, the <laughs> worst thing... A cut. I don't know whether you remember, you know, friends like this, but the guys that jail doesn't bother, fuck them. Their life is shot. They will go back 18 times. Ain't nothing. You can get into the rhythm, oh, can you? Because I don't want to be into that rhythm. <laughs> I want to be, yeah, I want to be the kind of guy scratching out the walls to get out and doesn't want to get back in. It's odd guys kind of fun when they come back out that, that first time and then they're right back into what they were fucking doing beforehand. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you're into that again, huh? Well, I'm going to fucking get away from you. <laughs> it's fucking it's weird. It really fucking makes a lot of sense. You're breaking into cars. Yeah. <laughs> what fucking valuables are in cars? <laughs> Why are you breaking into someone's fucking car? Here's what you do instead. Get a job, get your own fucking car. And then buy locks. Job? What? Yeah. Everything comes out of the car now. So what are you doing? They just they do it to do it, Earl. These fucking people. Oh, I wish I could tell you some of the fucking things that I've heard this week. But I will tell you this. There is nothing stupider than the mind of a criminal. I saw a guy get... Oh, forget it. I can't. I'm not allowed to say... But I cannot give these things away. But the uh, the amount that he can get out of something and what it's worth time wise is crazy. It's the, uh, what was the uh, the prosecutor who did uh, prosecutor Manson? What he said um, because if they were if they were so smart, they wouldn't get caught. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, there's no such thing as this genius criminal like they'll have in Die Hard. There's not some guy with a German accent coming up with a master fucking crime. Their crime is always the same thing. Hit somebody in the fucking head with a, with a sock full of hot nickels and run in and grab the cash and run back out again. Earl, it's good to see you. Now, are you still with the Black Rock Coalition? Absolutely. Uh, we have an event coming up, too. Well, what's the event going to be? Uh, June 4th at the Schomburg Center up in Harlem. We're going to do a uh, salute to Sam Cooke. He would have turned 80 this year. So what's the salute going to be? We're going to salute the music of Sam Cooke. So it's Sam Cooke covers night. <laughs> it's a, well, we got, we got a few twists and turns in in the arrangements. So Any, it's anybody that we know performing at this show? Um, Corey Glover is going to be the featured vocalist, um, but he's like probably the, in the Sirius XM universe. That's probably the most known name. But everyone in this band is absolutely fantastic. In Corey's band, or this is just the same band's going to stay out all night and do yeah. covers? They're going to. I mean, we have a core band, um, like Freddie Cash on bass, whose father was one of the Impressions. So he, uh -huh. he actually played in the Impressions band. Um, now, Earl, do you ever say to yourself after doing all these shows and putting on these shows, "Hey, once I just want to go up there and sing it"? <laughs> no. Earl, you seem like one of those guys who would drop a bass down. I, I could do the bass. But during the rehearsals, uh, we didn't have any of the vocalists. So yeah. uh, Daryl McNeil and I, we were kind of 
he was doing the quote unquote singing and I was doing the quote unquote harmonies. So I was doing the You don't have the quote unquote here. Let's just call it singing and harmonies. No, no, it wasn't if you heard it you would have you'd have put it in quotes. Why are you fucking hard on yourself, Earl? You're a fantastic yeah. singer. I'll go this far. You're the greatest black singer in America today. I, I highly doubt Well, that. most pe- most black guys, they're not <laughs> singing anymore. They're just rhyming. Yeah, which is kind of sad. I, I miss I miss the, the the hardcore singer. Well, yeah, me too. I I'm, want black people to make me... F- that breaks my heart. Um, the only guy that comes close to right now is uh, Anthony Hamilton. He is absolutely incredible. He's like the closest thing we have to like a pure soul man. Here's the weirdest thing. Who would have thought with black people that... They would have turned away, like, from, let's say, Al Green. Al Green does not influence the young people today, the young blacks sing. Dr. Seuss, on the other hand, seems like every (laughs) single one of them. I don't know when they were little and they heard Cat in the Hat, but they fucking loved the rhyme. The the funny part is, all the hip-hop guys are influenced by, like, like Snoop Dogg loves, sampling him loves yeah they sampling that's something <laughs> they, different they, they, Snoop Dogg loves so he loves the dramatics he loves no, no, all no. his vocals he loves money Snoop <laughs> loves not writing music <laughs> he writes rhymes I don't know if he writes music he writes but. a rhyme and then fucking grabs a fucking record and plays it in the background yeah but I I, I need my soulman we need good soulman when there there aren't that many left anymore they say John Legend but I don't know it's not. Not the same. It's a little fucking pussy in my. No, it doesn't have that 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 grit to it. You know, no. like like an Al Green has grit to it. Al Green is the motherfucker right there. <laughs> like I saw him on um, was it uh, TV One Channel Ninety? They sh- they show Soul Train reruns, and they reran the one where basically Al Green took over the show, and he had the full band and he was singing it live. He wasn't uh, singing the track, and it was. <laughs> it was like my father and I were watching that, and our mouths were hanging open. He's like, "This guy's fantastic," and the crowd is just going nuts. Your dad like to watch Soul Train? Oh, you're kidding me? He loves it. At any point, um, that your dad said when he's watching uh, Soul Train, does he ever do this? Look, they forming a line. <laughs> they forming a line because that was always to me the very best part of Soul Train. The Soul Train line. It's it's an, an American institution. Now. You know, I was on, I was in that studio with the whole setup there when I was out, but it, it, it wasn't going on. And when they're not doing it, they would let white people come in. And um, <laughs> white people are always welcome on Soul Train. <laughs> one, there's always like one fucking weird white guy. Listen to this, or why are you putting down black music? thing about Al Green, he's delicate. He's a delicate man. Sensitive. This is like if a fucking flower could sing. <laughs> this is what it would sound like. favorite fucking soul singer is Jacob Lusk, the fucking black bowling pin. He's a black pear-shaped man. If there was a, like a black Mr. Potato Head, it would be that guy. See, what about CeeLo? 
CeeLo's, I think, close to it. CeeLo's a soul man. You are right. You are right about that. But CeeLo came into the game at middle age. That was the fucking strange <laughs> thing about CeeLo. He came into the game partially retired. <laughs> no, it's not really that. I just found this. He's a grandfather. Yes. That's not shocking. <laughs> but he's only like 37. He's a grandfather. CeeLo, he's only 37? Because he looks like he should have a tropical drink and be looking over the bushes <laughs> in your yard. How y'all doing? <laughs> CeeLo's the name. Just moved in the neighborhood. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, and I will give you this about CeeLo, and I'm still waiting for uh, Hicks to grab some for me. But CeeLo is one of the few people in music that looks like he's having a ball. He fucking enjoys himself. Always smiling, always having a good time, always... Let's make two records. <laughs> like, and, and does not take himself seriously at all. Well, like when he, did, he? when he did the thing at the Grammys with the Muppets, I, I was a little pissed. But I was just like, okay, he's not taking himself too seriously with it. This is the song... Wait, I forgot this. This fucking song was broke in America by this gentleman. Was it you that brought it in, or did Kathleen bring it in? It was Kathleen. Are you sure? Positive. Call her. <laughs> Give her a call. So, how did she come up with this song? The song, I think, broke in England first. Yes, it did break in England. But it, we were the first... Oh, I know what happened. So, she turns this on to the song, and you get a hold of them, and you're like, we want CeeLo on the show. And they're like, oh, this is great. Wow, you know, there's interest in America. And then within the next two weeks, it was the number one fucking record, and they forgot who played them first. It was like the first viral hit. You know what I mean? That's really true. It was like, because no one saw it coming. The record company they had to kind of rush release it. Yeah. Because, you know, the whole Norris Barkley thing was almost an experiment. Mm -hmm. And then they just, just put it out. And then I think it was the first song to hit number one in England as a download. And it was never released as a formal single. Is that right? Yeah. See, I miss this guy knowing everything there is to know about the business. Uh, if we get this, Heater Mavs, Earl, lock it in right now. I am going to say Mavs and seven. Wow. I'm still going with the Heat because I'll fucking bet the bad guy anytime I can. <laughs> Give me a black hat. But I never. Uh, you know what's happening with the Mavericks is just fucking stunning this year. No one was pulling it. No one was. No one was coming in. And I think they after nine years of saying it's their year. <laughs> yeah, the first year we don't say it. I think they they all had that sense of okay, the window is finally closing. Let's yeah. make the run now. You know, because Nowitzki, Nowitzki, I can never say his name right. Doesn't matter. It's this white man. Uh, and then Jason Terry, who's been around, seems like forever and. Then oddly enough, Mark Cuban's been oddly quiet. Well, you <laughs> He's know, kind of laying he, low on this. He one. came in and did the show, and, we, and he and I talked about movies, and we talked about his TV show, and we didn't bring up the Mavericks because I felt like why rub it into the guy? You know, because <laughs> there was Lakers, Spurs, yeah. and he didn't even bring it up. You know, he was like, uh, I don't want to talk about that fucking team. No, he didn't. <laughs> wasn't that way at all. But you would think if he really felt like this is our year, he'd have been pushing it. Yeah. Seven, and then the fact that they they absolutely, I, I can't even say embarrassed the Lakers. You know what I mean? It was just a complete dismantling. Yeah, it was awful. And then when I watched that, I went, "Oh, I was like this this might be the year. This actually might be the year from the Mavs." I still think the Heat are going to win it. I, it's funny because 
the guys I know they were like, yeah, I'm going for the heat. I'm going to the dark side. <laughs> I was like, what's so dark about it? It's a good organization. Well, just because everybody was so upset with him this year. I mean, we've been talking about him for almost a year now. But, every day. But teams fire players all the time. I know. I you agree know, with you. And what, why can't a player fire the team? You know, it's the same thing. Because that fucking stupid press conference he had on ESPN, that was an embarrassment. Yeah, that was embarrassing, but the guy won the Winter Championship, and he's, what, five games away from winning one. Well, let's see. Let's see. According to you, he won't get it again. That'll be fucking funny. I think that'll Either be- way, I feel like a winner. Either I yell, <laughs> at the rest of the country, or I do it back into his face. And I think, will this be one of the greater sports upsets, or greatest NBA upsets, if, if, when, if and when the Mavericks win the title? No, I don't think it would be one of the greatest, but it will be, uh, well, first of all, if this happens, people will just love the Mavericks for the rest of all time. And Mark Cuban will be considered the best American ever. Bigger now than George Washington. Or as you call him, George Washington Carver. (laughs) But even then, black people were sampling white people's stuff. (laughs) I'll just take the George Washington thing and add a Carver. George Washington Carver invented the peanut. No, he did not invent the peanut. He just made multiple uses of the peanut. See, when I was a kid, I thought that he did 50 things with a penis. I don't know what he's doing with penises, but he just... He carved, he's a carver, he carved up a penis, I guess. I had ADD, I didn't always listen. <laughs> he did extraordinary things with the peanut. A lot of things with agriculture. Oh, yeah. He, um, he took peanuts, he t- had a bunch of peanuts, and he made it into a washing machine. <laughs> I don't know. About he was the almost like fucking, like the professor. When you really think about it, on Gilligan's Island, with the professor with a coconut, um, this is what he could do with a peanut. He did multiple things with it. I mean, I, don't, I can't made, remember. Made one in with phone. He could take fucking two phone. He could take two peanuts and end up calling London. Uh, London? There's G- GWC. You ever try to act like the GW Bridge is GW Carver Bridge no, when you go over it? Not, I haven't renamed any bridges. We got to throw fucking peanuts off. <laughs> you ever go over the Ed Koch Bridge into your borough now? I have yet to cross the uh, the now Edward I. Koch. It's Queen's Fall Bridge. <laughs> oh, I can't. I don't even call it that. I still call it 59th Street Bridge. Oh, yeah. That's feeling so. groovy. <laughs> I hope that they would change it to the Ed Koch feeling groovy fucking song. I would have called it the Simon and Garfunkel Bridge before I named it after Ed Koch, though. Let's call it the Simon Bridge. I'm not going to throw an extra in the Garfunkel. I saw Art Garfunkel the other day on what? the street. Yeah, he was working at a fucking uh, <laughs> Corona Ice over there. He's selling, fuck- <laughs> he's selling water ice to the natives. <laughs> now, what's he doing? I was he's on- going like this. Hey, have you seen Paul? <laughs> I, was, um, I was down by the High Line and down by the pier, and I was heading back up, and he was coming in. I would take a walk always likes feet. to be smoking weed on the High Line. <laughs> I don't like to smoke weed on the High Line. And, uh, and speaking of Paul, he's playing Webster Hall. He's well, doing, let's go, dude. He's, do, he's doing a uh, kind of a, a, a quick, intimate show. I think in like a week and a half or so. Doing all the hits or just the new album? Um, I think a little bit of both. You like the new album? I have yet to hear it. That's that's one of the records I'm dying to hear and I've yet to hear. My favorite song he does is called uh, Sounds of Silence 2. Um... <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend, again. <laughs> once again. Come to see you once again. Yes. Again. Oh, you're doing parody songs now. <laughs> no. That's good. That'll be good when we do the Black Girls song later. 
Earl, I want to go over a couple things with you very, very quickly. Um, all-time rock photographer. One name. you got to pick him. Make the draft. Who's the master of rock photographer? Jim Marshall. Over all others? Yes. Stuns me. Because <laughs> you, you consider yourself a rock photographer. you got a photography book out. Yes, Black Rock Volume 1. Earl had the first... Uh, photography book ever that uh, came out on tape. So <laughs> it was the first time you could get an audio version of a photography book. <laughs> this is a guy playing a guitar. <laughs> I'd imagine, if you will, a lead singer, very sweaty, and it's after the show and he has a towel around his neck. This is good. It's like a museum. <laughs> Those museum headphones you wear. Oh, God, do they ever work? Uh, you should be in the other room that you're in right now, and you should be on the other side. But this painting was done in 1918 <laughs> or 30. And I've never been, I've never had it fucking synced up. I never do it. I can't, I can't bring myself to put those things on. No, I was like, you're I fucking read, retarded. I can read the sign. <laughs> Yeah, but they'll, they'll tell you, so you don't have to read. They'll whisper to you. All right. Master of Rock, the rock writer. You can only pick one. Ooh. Um, I will go David Frick. Oh, I thought you were going to go Timothy White. Good choice. Or uh, who's another one of the really great ones? But why smash the face of Mr. Dave Marsh? Who yeah. no, I, I, was, I was thinking Marsh, but... No, but Frick always seems to be, he seems to have, you know, a head in both camps, past and future, so. Yeah, there's some truth to that. But now I like uh, Rob Sheffield because he writes about Duran Duran, and I find that just hysterical. <laughs> he wrote a, uh, did you read his book, Talking to Girls, about Duran Duran? I, I read parts of it. I mean, yeah. he's a very good writer. He's, he never takes himself too seriously either, so well, it's, always, he, it's always fun. He it's, can't it's his musical taste. But no, I do like people go, no, this is fucking great. This shit that most critics won't say, you know. Like, anybody who says to me, hey, the raspberries were great, I'm like, all right, they're, they're willing to fucking talk about themselves. And I'm not saying Rob said that. But he, yeah. to me, the raspberries were the fucking Duran Duran of the 70s. <laughs> what was it, Eric Carmen? Was he in there? Yeah. Yeah. Was it a go all the way? It was like the big... I, yeah. Please go all the way. It was a gigantic fucking hit for them. Yeah, but they were kind of like everyone says they were like a precursor to like a cheap trick, like a power pop thing. Absolutely. Well, you know, people never gave cheap trick <clears throat> a lot of respect either. Which I can't figure out. They're fantastic, <laughs> and they're still together. The still yeah. the core four guys are still together. Still do a great show. Well, it was really funny. Here's the thing about cheap trick: you had two guys. That looked like pop stars. They looked like pretty, you know, girl face, pretty boy pop stars. And then two guys that were like cartoons. <laughs> so you were like, what What have you guys decided to do? What is the but look maybe, of this band? Weird or fucking attractive? Maybe that was, the, you know, and uh, I always loved Bunny Carlos because he always looked like the weird guy who worked in the store next door. And almost, the, but didn't it seem like he was joking, kind of like, you know, like he's playing a character. Yeah, but he'd be on the he'd be playing the drums. He has a cigarette dangling from his mouth. He's looking everywhere but at the band. He's like, he's just like so disconnected from it, but he's actually connected. He looks like a pedophile. Like a pedophile was in a fucking rock band. And then, um, and then Rick Nielsen with the crazy guitars and everything. Mm -hmm. They never put them in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, did they? No. Should I mean, we can go all day on who should be in, but 
Would you put them in? Yeah. You'd put everyone in. Sticks, you'd put in. I wouldn't put Sticks Put fucking in. Journey in. No. No. Don't, Don't put lie. Jethro Tull in. No, no. T- no, no. Yes. Oh, uh, Tull's on the... F- I'm on the fence with... Do, do, do. <laughs> I'm on the fence on Tull. How can it, The guy's been out for 40 years. <laughs> it's time to get off the fence and fucking put a vote one way or another. Oh, God. But he was right about living in the past in 1971. Well, he at that time, there was still a past. And that was his fucking he, present. <laughs> he did not realize it. The people weren't walking around in 71 going, can you believe we live in the past? This is so nostalgic. And we still have Nixon. All right, give me some tall, and we'll see if, Earl, you will get off the fence right now and tell me whether Jethro Tall. So I turned her loose. She was screaming. This is so fucking funny. And the foreign students. And these guys have number one albums. Like Aqualung was number one in, in the US and London at the same time. Dude, let me tell you, in Philadelphia, there was a fucking line for this band. <laughs> there was a line. <laughs> You couldn't go with my friend Reedy. You couldn't go in his fucking house without having to hear fucking three sides. And you're like, let's go, dude. Did he put his foot on his knee and rub and try to put, do the uh, air flute? Fuck yeah. <laughs> I don't believe she knew I was a schoolboy. Alright, give me something else. I remember they played the uh, was it the rock and roll uh, the rock and roll circus? Oh with, sure, with the Stones, and the lead guitarist was Tony Iommi. <laughs> I did not know that. Like I remember watching, I was like, "Why is the dude from Sabbath in Jethro Tull?" I never knew that. Yeah, he was like, uh, he was like, I think a, um, a, you know, part of the live band, but he wasn't in the studio with him. But it was it was just so bizarre to see that clip. That's a bizarre movie, but. It's really funny, because um, HTG told me that she saw Tall, and I'm like, what year? And she's like, I think it was eight, like 89 or 91. <laughs> I'm like, what? Talk about living in the fucking past. No, I, I got a, uh, a funny Tall story. Um, with We were at, at NEW. It was Scott's birthday, and a lot of... A lot of musicians will call in to wish him a happy birthday. Ian Anderson calls him and he's like, "Hi, hey, Scott, how you doing? How you happy birthday?" And he's like, "Oh, thank you." And he's where? He goes, "I'm at Wembley Arena. We're about, you know, we're we're in concert." Mm-hmm. He goes, "Oh, you guys are about to go on." He goes, "No, we're in concert." And he goes, "Say hello, everybody!" And twenty thousand people are screaming back at what him. What year was this? This was nineteen ninety, wow. and and twenty thousand people sung "Happy Birthday." He, he called from the stage. Muni was just all drunk, like, yeah, hey, great. <laughs> no. Toofers. <laughs> this is what Earl thought was weird because that they were living in the past. I'd love to love you and about you. There's no other. And, and rabbit fan base. Well, I'm rabbit telling fans. you, I'm telling you, I fucking people in Philadelphia were crazy about it. I, before we move on out of tall, let's go on locomotive breath and just fucking <laughs> you know scratch that itch. This is their version of Freebird, I think. I really do. 
it. This was, uh, what was that? I always say, like, this is their Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. This is, like, the big, this is the one that everyone waits for at the end of the night. And luckily, they're in no fucking hurry to get to it, as you can tell by this fucking <laughs> intro. Give me some serious volume on this, too. British. Always some douchebag yelling Aqualung throughout the whole show, like they're not going to do it. <laughs> Bad concert etiquette again? Of course. Earl, one of the few black people I ever play air piano to this. It hasn't kicked in. The guitars haven't really kicked in yet. The excitement level when that happens, so. Here it is, Earl. Shuffling madness on the locomotive breath runs the all-time loser headlong to his breath. Oh, it feels a piston scraping, steam breaking on his brow. Smitty, Warty, Reedy, Murr, <laughs> Berkey, Fergie. Yeah, the Reed brothers loved it. The oldest Reed kid we called Willis. Willis Reed. <laughs> Big white red-haired kid. You could fucking play ball, though. I'll give him that. And also had bad knees. Those fucking guys love Tull. Probably still going to Tull's shows. <laughs> they still tour. Oh, I can't take any more time. I gotta stop it. <laughs> right, I'll, I'll just start singing along like a fucking douche. Um, Earl, now that Oprah's gone, who's the next big, overweight, black, middle-aged woman to take over America? Who? Moms Mabley? No. Um, <laughs> I, I would not be surprised if Tyler Perry went to t TV. If Tyler Perry would just dress up in a fat woman's suit and just say, <laughs> my name's Oprah, I'd fucking watch every day. Did the Medea thing? That's a tough yes. show. Welcome to Medea. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> your ass better get back to your man. Um, I can honestly say, never seen a Tyler Perry movie. But I, I don't know a human being who has. <laughs> and yet they, three of them are coming out a week now. The, my... I'll give you my my mom has seen Tyler Perry movies. Those are the people who see like old black women. Starred in them. You know who's funny? <laughs> Tyler Perry. That's what Earl's mom's always yelling. Tyler Perry. Now he's funny. And, and like for some reason, like uh, black teenage girls go see the ty- Tyler Perry movies. I don't know, Earl. When I just think of you at fucking home eating dinner with your family, it seems like the clumps to me. <laughs> no, it is not the clumps. <laughs> yeah, I called your name. If your name is. <laughs> There are no fart jokes. Hercules, look at her. He my Hercules. Hercules, Hercules. Earl's on a, on a phone selling trips to Daytona. <laughs> the, the, the conversations do get interesting, though. No black people go to Daytona. Why do you don't want to do a Daytona job? No, it has been basically uh, a lot of basketball now. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Lots basketball of basketball. and Bill Cosby, all your dad wants to talk about. <laughs> No, he actually is not the biggest Cosby. He doesn't like because he drugged white girls. <laughs> no, what? <laughs> but he's not. He doesn't gush over Cosby. My mother loves the Cosby Show. Every time Who, I saw it, she'll still watch. Who's your dad like? Dave Chappelle. My my father's more Martin. of a. Um, what is it? Martin. He likes Martin. <laughs> no, he is more. I forgot about Martin. <laughs> he is not a, the same act. <laughs> he's not a Shanae fan. Um, he's more friends. He loves Sanford's son. Absolutely loves uh, Fred Sanford. Loves that character. He, he, every time it's on. Does he, he realize the man's been dead for 40 I years, know. though? <laughs> the show. You got to get back to Martin. I haven't heard you hold your pocketbook. But, but I will say this. When black people decide they like a comic, they will sell out giant fucking venues for him. Arenas. Like the yeah. whole, um, what was that, the King of Comedy? The Is King- like Steve Harvey? Um, Not the biggest Steve Harvey fan. But you like Alex Harvey. <laughs> no, you like, like the fabulous Alex Harvey. Alright, give me another band that should be in the Hall of Fame role. Um By the way, it's good to see you in here. Glad to see you still wearing the same exact clothes the last time I saw you. <laughs> Thank you. Seriously. <laughs> you look like a fucking smiling coffin. It's just doom and blackness and just <laughs> smiling coffin. <laughs> well you're just wearing complete black. I like the color. That's not even a color. You know. It's an absence of color. I like the well. I like the absence of color. It's a void. <laughs> it's doom. <laughs> it's a beautiful color. Boy dresses like doom. Uh, another band that should be in the Hall of Fame off the top of my uh, Deep Purple. Another one that's just why like it's great total disrespect to Deep Purple. Complete disrespect. I mean, and you can name you can even pick various phases of Deep Purple to put in. I just do the I do the the Highway Star era. <laughs> That's a uh, Mach Two. <laughs> they even actually have na- the band actually gave it names. It's like so, there's Deep Purple Mach One with, uh, I guess the Hush thing, and then there's Deep Purple Mach Two with, um, I guess you know uh, Ian Gillum, you know Machine Head, Made in Japan. That yeah. Day. And then there's Mach Three, I think, with Glenn Hughes and David Coverdale. God fucking David Coverdale was in that. Yeah, a very very young David Coverdale.
Look, we're going over it. This is going to now be called Black Girl Douglas's Overlooked Hall of Fame. And we're going to open this up <laughs> in Passaic, New Jersey. So, so far, we got Jethro Tull, Deep Purple, and Eggplant Queens. Those are the three <laughs> bands that are going in. I didn't know they would have known the eligible, hit the eligibility part. Yes. <laughs> it's like, wow, they've been around that long? Yeah, they've been around long enough, 25 years. <laughs> um, it is weird that some bands are just hated despite how well they did during their times. No, it, it just, I hate the whole, you know, I hate them now that they're successful. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, wasn't that the whole idea? You That's want why to- you still love Coldplay. <laughs> I like Coldplay. I would- ah, <laughs> ah, crazy. Now, why? Why? Because he says he likes something. Because it's not a good music. What, a, a, a rush of blood to the head was a fantastic record. It's a you, unbelievable. Crazy about it. But, you know, these hipsters like fucking, like Chris Tanley, <laughs> they attack your playlist. Not a hipster. I just know Coldplay's shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know Chris became a hipster. Hold on, I'm starting to fucking sob. Here you go, Earl. This is for you. This goes out to you. Come on, you don't like this song? No. When this song came out, you dug it the first week. Ricky Gervais's song, uh, show? No. What was his second show called? It was uh, Extras. It was fucking hysterical. <laughs> like, for some reason, they just show up in his sitcom and like, uh, <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> oh, we came to sing a song. <laughs> it was like the most ridiculous reason. It's random. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky fights with the whole world now. Anyone who's ever been in show business, he has a beef with. Taking <laughs> shots, fuck it. Hicks, are you crying? No. This song makes you sob a little bit. No, no outward tears. Earl Douglas picking his alternative fucking <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which he hopes to go into Passaic, New Jersey. <laughs> I don't know if I'm Passaic, but... Where do you want to put it? Hoboken? No joke in Hoboken? <laughs> no, not in Hoboken. Camden. Go downtown. Camden. I can't. I can't go there. I can't. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> That's too far for me. Why not Queens? <laughs> Beautiful New York City. Well, you always say it's the home of rock and roll. You told me earlier that the heart of rock and roll was still beating. <laughs> and Huey Lewis was your favorite. Oh, and Huey Lewis and Andy W's. Would would you actually keep Huey Lewis out of your alternative Hall of Fame? Ooh, uh, I mean, is there something out there that even you would say no, despite your success? Well, no. Well, there's people that are in. I'm like, why are they in? You know, like for me, like Madonna, it should not be it. Absolutely, because she's pop. 
Yeah, I mean, she. There was no nothing rock and roll about her. Well, what nothing. he tried to say with rock and roll is that everything's rock and roll. If it's music, it's rock and roll. No, it, well, compared to what is not in, and then to put her in, absolutely not. I mean, if I hold that, I can't. Hicks, not even as a joke. <laughs> I can't fucking do it. No, I mean, like. I could make more of a case for Duran Duran being in, which they don't even get on the ballot. I wish they would call him Duran Duran, like in the movie. You know, they've been around for 30 years, so I would I would consider Duran Duran before I consider Madonna. So you see Duran Duran as a rock and roll band, your favorite, you said. I mean, but th- I didn't say they were my favorite, but they, you know, they were more pop on the pop end, but they, they kind of, they put MTV over, you know what I mean? They just helped. You think that was the first band that made MTV fucking viable that made kids go, I want to watch MTV? Because um, I remember they tried to sell them like they were the Beatles at first, like yeah, they're going to be the, landing and all this kind of shit. The, I remember, um, I'll never forget, the uh, they had an in-store at what is now the gone uh, Tower Records on West 4th Street, and they just had this giant barricade of girls, and as they... They just ripped the barricade down and just, and they made it look like Beatlemania where they were just rushing into the store to get, get online for Duran Duran, to meet Duran Duran. But I put them in way before Madonna. Like Madonna would be so far off my radar. Hmm. So would you also put men at work in the fucking thing (laughs) and men without hats? Nah, no, men at work, they they had their moments. That first album was, was, was a good pop record. You said brilliant. I didn't say brilliant. I said it was a good pop record. But, um, you know, like a, a band, I think. They were for people who thought the police were too heavy. <laughs> like, I need something like the police, but lighter. Man, no, those were for people who completely missed the police train. Them in the, uh, what was the other one? The Outfield. The Outfield was like the poor man's police. Oh, Josie's on vacation! <laughs> One of uh, the early radio stations I did did the outfield in in an outfield somewhere. <laughs> Thirty thousand fucking kids showed up. It was wow. just gigantic. It was just in some fucking cow field. It was right before I started radio. The outfield in the outfield. Yeah, they thought it was witty. It was the outfield out in the field. <laughs> it was the eighties and those yeah. wacky promotion. Yeah, there. every fucking promotion had to be somewhat. Remember, uh, remember MTV gave away a pink, you know. The pink house promotion. We gonna paint the mother pink. And I remember John Mellon came out to cut the promo. He looked like he wanted to be anywhere but there. He was just so annoyed. Yeah, where my pink house? They <laughs> fucking just... they made him though. Yeah, I, I mean there was a. I think Mellencamp, definitely Duran Duran. Um, they helped police kind of just go completely off the radar and. Obviously, Madonna and, and and some dude and Michael Jackson when they finally decided to play black people on MTV. Did you like MTV? You thought it sucked. Um, I, I liked it, it before a- they started playing black people. I thought it was really <laughs> fucking nice. I, I liked it when it was kind of all over the place where they didn't. They just put everything on because they just had time to fill. So you saw. This, you saw every cheap video. You saw every cross section of music, and then once they figured out that you know. White suburban teenage kids are watching MTV. They just narrowed it down to, okay, we're gonna play, you know, Poison, and <laughs> we're gonna play hair bands, and then we'll get around to rap music, which they did, which they only did on at like three thirty on a on a, every weekday. Yo, MTV raps, come yeah. on, Earl. <laughs> Yo, MTV raps. Then the fat boys used to fucking also. Uh... <laughs> 
Those are my favorite hip hop band ever. <laughs> the Fat Boys. I mean, they were really fucking fat. <laughs> is that what they were called, the Fat Boys? Yeah, and I think two of them, were, two of them died from heart attacks. Oh, I feel so bad since they worked as nurses for a while, or whatever they were. <laughs> disorderlies. That's it. Thank you, Fezzy. They were disorderlies. <laughs> it was like the weird part was like Ralph then, Bellamy's like, in that movie. The, yeah, the fun, like the big thing would be like, "Are you eating again?" You know, like just because they're fat, they act like they were constantly eating. <laughs> Look how old Dr. J is. Oh, God. Cream was in here the other day. The greatest, maybe arguably the greatest player of all time. You say that, but he could not get near the basket when I was fucking guarding him. Yep. And he was in here. Because I don't shit. take my fucking hand off his hip the whole time. If he wants to shoot on me, guess what? You're shooting from the line, dude. Because I'm going to fucking foul you every time. Tenacious D. But he he gained respect me. I mean, he yelled at me through the whole game. But afterwards, he goes... Kept claiming you were hacking him? He goes, never in my life did I ever come in donut the way you did to me. He goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you only want to shut him down? Yeah, I shut him down. I fucking... I just went for the knees constantly. Just constantly <laughs> worked the knees. Are you going to hang over to this weekend? No, I'm, I am not feeling the summer movies this, this, this year. I'm going to trade life this weekend, and I'm praying it's going to be good. I I just read a couple of reviews of it, and everyone's, I saying, refuse. It's, it's, everyone's saying it's... They won't describe what it is, but they're saying, like, visually it's breathtaking. I'm going to take a breath. Fuck that. But Terrence Malick is one of my... Like, what was that? Uh, Days favorite of, white man? Days of Heaven. It was. Who's your favorite uh, black director? Still Spike? <laughs> I always... Um, Spike has got to be up there, even though I still don't think he knows how to end a movie. Um, I like John Singleton, when he went, but he kind of went off the rails a little bit. They, I think the Hughes brothers make great films. Were you with me when the Hughes brothers came in here? Um, no. I love those fucking guys. I mean, I love their just their personalities. Yeah, I would just fucking do a talk show called The Use Brothers. <laughs> they literally finish each other's sentences, and then one of them will do a song cue, and they'll break into a song. <laughs> what? <laughs> we were talking about Cosby, and they start going like this. Can you say, out of touch, out of touch, and they just start fucking... I was cracking up, doing an obscure Hall & Oates fucking song. <laughs> Oh, speaking of which, I finally saw the um, Daryl's house. The Daryl's house. I I stayed up all night watching every. I don't. It, done is, that, man. it might be the best music show on TV. On, on any, I can't say on TV, but on the net. I think they are that. showing some of them on TV. Like I don't know where, but I read something about that. I hope so because people really hate to see it. It's it's fantastic. The Smoky one was like. Smoky <laughs> one was great. Uh, the Tide Running Green ones are great. And actually, uh, what's that fucking band, Maroon? No, something 20. Matchbook 20. Matchbook 20. That fucking kid was on with him. It was great. Oh, um, uh, Chris Thomas? Or Rob Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> Chris Thomas is a sports guy, so I don't know whether that fucking works for you. I think Who Betty passed Thomas, away? I think Betty Thomas. Is <laughs> the fact he passed away? Uh-huh. Fez has got this new thing. He's rocking a Wikipedia type thing. Remember how he used to just do the sniper jokes? Now he'll do sniper facts. And he's always ready with a fact. I'm fucking loving it. I ought to do a fact off you against uh, Earl. You want to do that, Fez? Okay. So how do we do it? How do we set it up properly? 
I guess we just go back and forth, decide who goes first, and just uh, throw out some facts. All right, let's do that. Uh, so it's a fact off right now. Um, Fez, heads or tails? Tails. All right, Fez gets tails, so you go first. Uh, you're going to have to repeat his fact with a fact of your own, Earl, as we play fact off. Fez, you go. Uh, let's you got seven seconds. Ronald Reagan was our 40th president. It is the 30th anniversary of Reagan getting shot. But that's March 30th, 1981. John, uh, John Hinckley is scheduled for parole in two years. Uh, John Hinckley is uh, currently dating another uh, a former nurse of his. Jodie Foster still refuses to talk about David Hinckley. Jan- John Hinckley. Jodie Foster won the Academy Award for The Accused. And? Taxi Driver. No. <clears throat> um, Doesn't she have two? Yes. Thank one of the most popular horror films of all time. Um, she won for uh, Silence of the Lambs. Yes. All right. Now, there, we just give you an idea what it was like to be in the most boring bar in America. There it is. Two guys just going back and forth with facts, with fact off. Who knows? Will we play that again later in the show? We shall see. First, we've got a break. Uh, Earl Douglas, and I appreciate it, Earl, sitting in. I know lately you, all you do is public radio. <laughs> yes, um, I do. Um, actually, I got a show coming up this week um, on WBAI. What do you do there? Um, I'm part of the uh, Creative Unity Collective. I sit in when someone is out, and then. Oh, well, tell me what this is. What's the show all about? It's it's like uh, pol- you know, black humor, black political talk. We play music. Is it like a barbershop? It's kind of a. It's a, like a, sitting around a barbershop. Kind of a barbershop mentality to it. Yes, it's a lot of fun. So it's a front. <laughs> it's not a front. <laughs> sell like bootleg DVDs, have giant flat screens. Is Did that it? what happens in barbershops? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't know about that either. I've been going to them all my life. All right. Um, we got to take a break here. When we get back, Earl's going to do a point, counterpoint. Barack Hussein Obama. Greatest president or slack jaw disappointment? Earl will give us a opinion. <laughs> On the Ron and Fez show. Ron and Fez. The virus. Serious. XM. Three Stooges in there. This is Earl's first record. <laughs> Electric Avenue. Can't get food for that kid. Good God, we got 
Patrick Avenue And then we'll take it higher Oh, we're gonna rock down to Electric Avenue And then we'll take it higher Oh, no Ah, uh, we gotta stop <laughs> Oh, no You're killing me but I do want you to be ready with if I had a rocket launcher. A little bro Scott Murr for us <laughs> coming up. All right, Earl, I wanted to get into Obama. Nobody was a bigger Obama fan than you. Yes. I, I picked that horse back in, I think, uh, 2004. You were on him early. Yeah, when he spoke at the convention as, as a senator. You said this man is going to be a president. Uh, we're what, two years in? Um, two, almost three. All right, coming into three, Republicans are gearing up for a run. Number one, give me a letter grade for Obama's presidency. Uh, B plus. B plus. And any chance he gets beat for re-election? Not a chance. Not a single one. I, I said this, just looking at the field, I'm like, 12 point win. That big, huh? He will win by 12 points. Um, now, would you say that the B-plus comes after bin Laden? Is that the thing that started to give him a little more heat? Um, I, I think it was still kind of... I think he's been a steady B. There's things that I was hoping he'd get done that hadn't get done. But overall, B-plus. He's been, been a solid presidency. You said this is the first time you said you've ever loved the government. What do you mean <laughs> when you say government? I, <laughs> uh, can uh, Obama get beat, Fez? Yeah, I think Obama can get beat. By who? Um, I think it's got to be someone who hasn't been talked about yet. If they talk a Jeb Bush or a Chris Christie to get in, I think Jeb. I, I think Obama could be beat. No, I think both. Well, uh, Jeb Bush. I don't think there's a chance in hell. I think that that'll stink to high heaven if we get our third Bush. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry for him. I think he probably would have done better for his brother. But I'm sorry. I think there'll be a revolution if we try to put a third Bush in there. <laughs> I think, and, and Chris Christie is emphatically saying he's not running. He's saying he's not running. And then he also won't say whether he believes in creationism or evolution. He doesn't handle himself that well. He doesn't know how to paint himself, uh, get out of a paint a quarter. I think he's a panicker. I think he panics. Yeah, and I just think this field right now is not very good. And for some reason, they're still hitching their wagon to Sarah Palin, who continues to embarrass herself every time she speaks. Um, I think Gingrich has too much baggage. I think Polenti's name is not... He's going to have... I think he's the one guy that could make a really serious challenge. But I think most still, people just don't know him. Let's go back to what... Um, well, let's give Fez a chance. Palin run, Fez? I think Palin will run. And can she win? Uh, I think she could win. I think, right, now you're just saying every Republican can win. <laughs> I think, here's the thing. Well, you mentioned the Bin Laden thing. I think that is going to wear off quick. And if people are still out of work and still hurting... But the, the Republicans ain't coming up with a way to get in, us into work. If the Republicans had a, a better fucking plan, but the Republicans and Democrats look the same to me right now. They look like... Like, seriously, Coke and Pepsi running this fucking thing. I think we need a third party. There's no... Uh, as Your idea of a fresh face out there is another Bush? Fuck that. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, unless there's someone that just comes out of complete, you know, just total fresh face. Donald Trump. Oh, God, no. <laughs> He's done. Done. 
I got a name for you, and it doesn't get brought up much, but I like it, Steve Carlton. <laughs> now, the problem is he will not talk to the press. <laughs> That's, or the that's Senate. A, that's a big. That's a big. The only person strength. he'll talk to right now is his catcher, but he's not talking to anybody else, and I don't blame him. I mean, that's the one guy that doesn't annoy him. So Macaro be his running mate? I hope not. I fucking hate that fuck. Seriously, is that the most unlistenable sports cast? On? It's unbearable. The only time I ever liked Deion Sanders is when he threw a bucket of water in that man's face, and I went, maybe I do like Deion. I don't know, because right now you're talking a little crazy. I need you. I uh, hear you saying. I think, and if this happens, I need a definitive Gary Spivey look into the future and pick that fucking winner right now. I need you to do it. Romney will beat Obama. <laughs> One name he hasn't brought up in fifteen fucking minutes. Now it's Romney, the Mormon. If we go from our first black president to our first <laughs> Mormon president. I'm seriously selling the fucking beaches. <laughs> There'll be blood in the streets. <laughs> no, I. But I think if Romney hadn't flip flopped so much on everything, he would actually have a very good chance. And here's the other thing: that why I don't think he's going to win is that his own party doesn't really like him. They're not really rallying behind him. Paul Lenti's campaign kind of rolled out as kind of a dig at Romney. Everyone's kind of aiming at Romney instead of aiming at Obama. You know what I mean? Because everyone assumes that because Romney has the money. And Maybe has, we need the first black fucking Republican president. Oh, Herman Cain? Yeah. The pizza dude? <laughs> Herman Cain. Men will bring bad pizza to you 30 minutes or less. <laughs> oh, um, oh, God. I, I, I heard this thing from like 2000, when he ran for office in 2006. It, it was like the craziest radio ad I had ever heard in my life. What was it? Oh, God. It was something like... like uh, I, I mean, you know, if I can pull up here on YouTube, it is the funniest. Yeah, ad. get it. But it was just sort of like the craziest campaign ad I've ever heard. Herman Cain ran Godfather's Pizza. He ought to bring the Godfather from the WWE out to campaign for him. Herman Cain is my name. Well, here's Earl Douglas, uh, who says the B-plus president comes back. Fezzi, if the guy's a B-plus, we got to bring him back. Look at, look at the grades Earl's giving him. All right, what is this? He ran for what here? I'm not sure for the office, but it, it, but I someone sent this to me, and I thought, it, I thought it was a spoof ad. And it's actually a radio ad that he ran back in 2006. by America's Pack. The night's still young. Come on, let's head to the river and try out the slots. Nah, I gotta get home. I promised Kathleen I'd help the kids with their homework. You know, the Army really changed you. The war does that. It makes you value what you're fighting for. So I suppose you want me to vote Republican, like you and your soldier buddies. Not at all. You've got no reason to. How's that? Well, you don't work for a living, so what do you care about keeping taxes low? Hey, that's cold. You cheat on your wife, so why would you want an amendment to protect marriage? Hey, man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. And I know you're not going to enlist to defend your country. Not everyone's as slow as you are, bro. If you make a little mistake with one of your hoes, you'll want to dispose of that problem. Too sweet, no questions asked. No, right? no, now that's too cold. I don't snuff my own seed. Huh? Really? Well, maybe you do have a reason to vote Republican. This way, this way to bring Black people in the vote Republican? 
I, I honestly thought it was a parody. I was like, someone's just like pulling, and then I, <laughs> it's an actual ad. But they couldn't even get black guys to do the voice. <laughs> it sounded like fucking Tommy Z and his friend. Two uh, and. and He's actually kind of like this dark horse. I get it, dark horse. No pun black. In, you know, they're trying to they're trying to paint him as sort of like the Republicans' answer to uh, what was that dude who ran in the eighties? Um, Sloppy White. No, uh, Ross Perot. Mm. They're, they're trying to make him like the Ross Perot of, of this upcoming. Campaign. Why not just go get Ross Perot? He's ready. He's fucking rested. <laughs> He's still alive. Yeah. Check and say I have no idea. <laughs> but again, I, I, I could be one of the fun facts that when you guys start to yell facts at each other. But again, I just don't out of this again, look at this field. Uh, it's not a matter of who's who's good or bad. I Enough think of your crazy political talk. Let's get back into your overlooked uh, rock and roll hall of fame. <laughs> who's the next band? Um the, the war. Absolutely. War They're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's not even get nominated. That's bullshit. <laughs> it's total craziness. Uh, they should go in for Cisco Kid alone. <laughs> or, or even Lowrider. This is all. Fucking Hicks, as I noticed, is just now just starting to grab the Freebirds of every fucking... Every band. This is definitely their Freebird, right? <laughs> one of them. No, they've had, I mean, these guys had massive I hits. know, but fucking, so, you know, they, uh, Leonard Skinner had a lot of hits. But there's only one Freebird per band. game now turn it off Hicks what's what's their free bird I'm gonna give you a band you gotta come up with their free bird okay alright ready for this yeah Rolling Stones what's their free bird satisfaction is 100% correct that's 10 points for you and your chance do you move on or pass I will move on alright um, I'm gonna give you another band I want you to give me their free bird Deep Purple What's their free bird? Smoke on the water. And it's up for 20 points now. Hicks, you may never get a chance to play this. <laughs> you may never get involved in this game. Want to roll. I'm feeling the heat. Now. Jethro Tong. Tall. What's their free bird? Mm, Aqualum. Bing. Got it again. The Eagles. What's their free bird? Hotel California. Thank the Eagles. I think it's take it easy. <laughs> Earl, would you like to stick with Hotel California or go take it easy? I'm going to stick with Hotel California. Now, I'm going to leave this up to you, Hicks, and I, want, I don't want you to pick by me. But if I just said, Eagles, what's the one song you would have wrote down? I would think Hotel California. All right, Bing, you're still in it. Now, here's what I want you to do, Fix. Uh, I want you to try to match with them and write it down as we do this. In case we ever get another little jam like this. And by the way, I gave it to you. That's four in a row. Would you like to pass now? Remember, you're risking by going back in there. Or you can pass and we put the hammer down. You save those points for another round. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. All right. Earl, what is their free bird, the song for the kinks? What is their free bird? 
Earl, your answer, please. Mm. I will say you really got me. Hicks, I wrote my answer down. What do you have? You really got me. I had Lola. I thought it was fucking definitely because people would yell that out at shows. But you guys matched each other. It's weird. Wait, are you I just like repeating this. him? Or are you <laughs> no, fucking, no. I, did I, you write it down then? Look, you re- it's scrawled. It's my C <laughs> handwriting, but you really got me. All right, bing. Earl, I'm thinking now you want to stick it and save, or do you want to pass it along, or what do you want to do? I, I want to stay hot. You're a fucking madman. Seriously. And I will say Lola was a good... It was, that was a tough one. Yeah, me. I think Lola was the gimme. I think if you fucking go to that show, the-, <laughs> the idiot people would fucking yell that out. All right. The band. You too. What's their free bird? Ooh. Um... There's a couple of free birds. Yeah. Um, I've actually even changed my free bird for them. I'm going to go with or without you. Hicks, what do you have? I with the streets have no name. I had Sunday Bloody Sunday. Wow. <laughs> because let me tell you something. You expect to hear Sunday Sunday. But before that, I changed it from... Um, in the name of love, which right. I doubt if they'll ever do another show and that song doesn't play. <laughs> All right, there was no there. Uh, All good choices, though. I know. But Pride uh, would have been the way to go. I think. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, a, it's one of those bands that you can... There's no wrong answer with any of those songs. Now I'm going no, to give one you... Of them, none of us said, I will follow. So I never will. I'll never fucking say <laughs> that. I love that song. Um, I'm going to give you a single performer now. What's his free bird? Rod Stewart. What's his free bird? Rod Stewart. Maggie May. Hex, what did you have? I got nothing. I don't know if Rod Stewart that well. I had Maggie May written right here. Earl moves on. But again, that's another one who has a couple you could have mentioned. Yeah. Well, you know, he's been around for fucking 90 years. It's not like you're going to be around with no. With nothing there. What are you going to pick hot legs? <laughs> no, not, not hot legs. That was his salute, musical salute to fucking the TV show MASH. <laughs> Hot legs, hula hand. Earl's really good at what's your free bird. I guess because the cliche thing means everything to you. <laughs> um, Earl, red hot chili peppers. Um, ooh. I'm going to go under the bridge. Hicks, what'd you have? Give it away. I got under the bridge. He matches up. That means you're down. Hicks, right now, you're down 75 grand. <laughs> how did you get so deep so quick? <laughs> fucking around. That's how you did it. I gotta fucking get out of this hole. Um, rage against the machine. Um... I will say Killing in the Name of. Hicks? Sleep Down in the Fire. I had Gorilla Radio. 
No one is there. No matches. It's not down anymore. <laughs> what the hell was that? that was the, there's no fucking game in the world that has a sound like that. Let's hear it again. And are you scary? going to be pulling that after the show since it doesn't make any sense? Yes. I, we got into lightning rounds. And lightning rounds to be able to pull this off properly. Everybody, you have to be fucking ready and ready fast. Fuck. Earl, how are you feeling about your chances right now? I feel really good. Yeah? I feel very good. Lightning rounds gives you a chance. Three quick bands, three quick answers. Lightning rounds. But, miss one. You go back three steps, and I'll have to give back your B card. Your B card will have to um, come back to us. You feeling good about yourself? Or you feeling feeling pretty good? Yeah. Are you sure? Yes. I'm going to give you three. I need three songs immediately. When that happens, Hicks, I need you to get all three down. Okay. Here we go. Doors. Elton John. Michael Jackson. Go, Earl. Lightning round. Break on through your song and Billy Jean. X, what did you have? I had Peace Frog for the doors. It's light my fire, you fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, everyone knows Peace Frog. I also had Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, and a, but I had Billie Jean. Hicks? I had Thriller for Michael Jackson, and for Elton I had Tiny Dancer. What? I'm just laughing at you. <laughs> what? Because you didn't jump that? into that band. You didn't jump into Elton John until Cameron Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, but has he ever done a, so- a show without doing your song? No. Never. Sometimes he'll do like a speed it up version. Like, let me get this out of the way. It's a little bit funny feeling inside. Hey, Punk you know, he'll put it in the middle of some other song. He's just so bored with it. But he's like, hey, I'm getting paid getting that Elton money. Might as well take care of it. That Limbaugh money. Mazel tough. God bless y'all. Doesn't he have like a banner in the garden because he sold it out so many times? Sold it out twice. So he's, <laughs> they put a banner up. Christ. Just, just two times? You think he would have done better, didn't you? Think over the years? Well, Earl, you're very good at uh, that. I'm surprised. I never thought you fucking um, were that big into it. All right, now, Earl, I want you to do another thing for me. See if you can, and Hicks will match. What is the greatest, most overlooked song in history? Here's what I'm going to do. It's got to be overlooked, and it's got to be the greatest. I'll give you guys each a chance to answer, and then we will have a dance-off where we play (laughs) both songs at the same time, and somebody gets danced off the show. (laughs) You don't get to do this shit on BAID. No! The fucking B- BAI Barbershop Roundup. <laughs> you know what this is? Uh, my fucking head right now is... I'm going to like fucking crazy days. I'm up every morning down, you know, downtown with the grand jury up here in the afternoons. And then I got to do this uh, thing tonight for a future guest. I got to see a documentary tonight. Did you see the guest in the list yet, Earl? Yes. It's cool, right? Very cool. Maybe the most famous documentary filmmaker ever. And my chick's like, well, you're very tired. Yeah. I go, I got to fucking get the chance to see this guy. You know, he could drop dead tomorrow. 
All right. Greatest, most overlooked song ever. Do you need a second roll? Go yeah, to Hicks first. I, yeah, go to Hicks first. Cause Hicks, I, what do you got? I'm going to say Eminence Front by The Who. Um, it's an awesome song. No one cares about it. I don't know if it's overlooked, but... Really? Uh, dude, I saw them blow up a fucking place with this song one night. <laughs> I never was a fan of it until I saw them do it live. <laughs> and it fucking killed. <laughs> All right, so here's the first song. Um, this is... Eminence Front, The Who. Part of the most overlooked song of all time. Chris Stanley's bringing this one in. Earl Douglas coming up next, picking out an overlooked song. I wonder if it'll be like a, by a, also by a superstar band, the way Chris Stanley picked his. Coming up next, the pick. Of Dr. Earl Douglas.
Uh, this is the uh, pick for most overlooked song of all time. Shocker, because I never thought it was that overlooked. <laughs> oh, it's I'm, sh- I'm sure it will show up on any Best Of album, but <laughs> yeah. But uh, this uh, puts Earl Douglas in a very difficult position. Earl, what is your most overlooked t- song? Um, and I, I only say this because I've been listening to a lot of them lately. Okay. Um, if you can't rock me by the Rolling Stones. Wow. Now, Rolling Stones, if you can't rock me, let's face it, Earl, never was going to make a best of, I don't think, does it? No. And it's open shows. It's It still kind of stays in the set list mm-hmm. every once in a while. And people like, I'll sit down. I'm like, dude, it's, from, it's only rock and roll. They would, they would actually... Uh, Sit down during this? Yeah, I think, I'm trying to remember which tour, they actually dug this song up, and it's like, what are you doing? Why is everybody sitting down for? It's like, this is like, it opens, it's only rock and roll, the album. Great song. Let's do it. If you can't rock me, somebody will. And uh, Earl, you went very, very deep on the Stones. Very, very deep. Um, Hicks went somewhat deep on the Who. I think I would be leaning right now with Hicks, but Fez Watley gets the opportunity to steal. Fez, the forgotten song. Um, Genesis Illegal Alien. Now, do you know this song? Uh, yeah. And you love it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a kind of a novelty song, but I thought it was a good one. A good and novelty song. Do you remember it? I Yes, I remember it was... Uh, very MTV. Very MTV, because they had these big... <laughs> they yeah. had like the, like the Mexican mustaches, I think, in it. said he's never going to tour again. He's done playing. He hates music now. How, how many times has he said that? <laughs> he's quit like four or five times. He's very surly, though. I don't know how he got so unhappy in his old age. 
Remember he always used to seem like he was one of the nicest guys? Happy-go-lucky. He had the kids. He had the wife. The band. He had the solo career. He had the... Now he just puts out a press release. I'm not real happy with anyone. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> He's like, my voice is shot. I remember he, qu- he wanted to quit. He quit Genesis to, to play jazz, and then he went Earl, back to it's Genesis. the hook for Fez. You know, when the hook kicks in... Sing along, folks. I'll have to wait till the chorus comes back around. You don't know the just, rest of it? No. Just just a slight enough accent to maybe be offensive. Alright, I gotta give this to Hicks on Eminence Front. Wow. Three super groups for some reason you're overlooking hits. I love it. Am I out of that 75 grand now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah right. you're even. Wait a minute. Eminem's front open doors. I know. <laughs> what are you talking about? Bury, it's buried in their fucking shit. <laughs> I wish it was this. It opened the 82. <laughs> the first final farewell tour. You're, that you imagine that. You're crazy, Earl. <sighs> yeah, that was that old gag, too. The farewell tour. <laughs> That's what I call it, the Who's first final farewell tour. Uh, we got a break here. By the way, Earl, th- first of all, thank you so much for coming in. Now, coming up a little later on in the show before I come back live, uh, Fez got an email that um, he wanted to read to us. And now, Ron and Fez, the show of the future, brings you... Electronic mail. Mail sent electronically. This was addressed to Ronnie, uh, saying that uh, during your week or uh, your time on jury duty, would you consider running the Michael McKeon unmasked? It says hi, Ron. If you're still looking for something to run during the show when you're on jury duty, would you consider running the Michael McKeon unmasked? It might be the only unmasked you haven't run on the virus. It was also the one time I had um, been able to uh, attend an unmasked. And haven't been able to hear that show. He says, P.S., the day of that taping, my wife and I got to meet you after the show. Afterward, I was kind of disappointed because you seemed sort of detached and even a little confused. Completely the opposite of what I would have expected. I was actually a bit relieved when I later realized the reason for this was your exploded appendix and resulting 110 degree fever. I hope to be able to attend another Unmasked someday and meet you under better circumstances. This is from Mike. Well, I will tell you this. Not only have we not run this with the great Michael McCain, who you remember him as Lenny from Lenny and Squiggy, uh, Earl, or as you said, the white Lenny and Squiggy. That's what he calls Lenny and Squiggy. I honestly don't remember a moment of this show. Nothing I was so else. fucking crazy from the he- fever. And I kind of have a memory of, oh, good, he's talking. You know, good. Oh, I notice he keeps talking. So that's great. But I can't remember what he said or what I said back to him. But I remember feeling relieved that he's really doing a great job talking. So this is, th- we're going to be able to finish this out. Almost a little out of out. body? Yeah. 
Well, inside my body was filled with my own shit. Since no. the poison of no. that going through your fucking system. So that's going to come up in about 15 minutes, but we'll take a break first. And we'll be back, uh, Earl Douglas here with us today on the Ron Fez Show. Ron Bennington. Fez Watley. Ron and Fez on the virus. I was born and raised in New York City In a housing project way up in the hood I dressed in dark clothing So folks started calling me black girl Oh, and they used to laugh about it Cause deep down they knew they called me that Cause I was as black as soot I've always been a lazy man A couch potato with a clicker in my hand See, motivation I never had Hid in the shadows when the boss got mad For 20 years I never got a raise I'm 33 and I've never been late I look busy but I'm not, I'm just walking around I pick up some papers and I put them back down One day I'm gonna stop paying my rent Live in a refrigerator box, never get out of bed I'm black girl, a genuine lazy bum I'll always make it through Hard times in any Then one day some lame brains came and took ONA away And at the age of 33, I felt like I was carrying the weight of the whole station on my shoulders And Ron and Fezzi knew what I was going through Every morning I'd lock the door, lay down and sleep a little more But then I put away the bathroom key, everybody was depending on me I eat a chicken wing with lemonade Strength to make another day Times I felt I couldn't go on Push a button, throw a switch Answer the phone Got lost in the van I did my PSAs Ten minutes work Gonna take me all day I'm black girl A genuine lazy bum I'll always make it through Hot times in any I could hear Scott so say Black girl you're a genuine lazy bum You'll always make it through Hot times in any Ken and Jeremy say Black girl, you're a genuine lazy bum You'll always make it through Hot times in any uh, There uh, is one famous song <laughs> The Black Girl song. Brother Joe. <laughs> Brother Joe. Nine years ago, you were saying. Yeah. Because he always, I always get on him. He was like 33. I was like, I was 32, and I'm going to be 41. Um, by the way, I heard that you were hanging out with Swiss Miss the other night. Yeah, she um, had a birthday party downtown. Are you saying that uh, it's starting to, whatever happened between you two, is starting to come back? No. She invited me. I went down. It was a good party. I had a lot of fun. Hmm. You guys are um, like Heidi Klum and Seal. <laughs> Minus the scars. By the way, I'm looking at uh, stuff right now from the Polo. And he really would like to scare up a Merv Griffin type of deal. Well, that would be great. That's He said that's his... His things. He'd like to help us out, but feels that Fez is unhelpable these days uh, and is very, very angry. 
I'm not angry, and I don't know how he's going to get a Merv Griffin deal with Merv Griffin being dead. He meant the TV type deal. He would like to be the next Merv Griffin. All right, it is the Ron and Fez show. Uh, Earl set in with us today, and has just done a bang-up job. You play a lot of music, though, I know, Earl. <laughs> I like I like music. Uh, how you feeling about your Yankees this year? Um, I think they're hanging in there, all things considered. They went through a couple of rough patches. It's going to be a great summer because I think we got. It's going to be three teams fighting for two spots. And what's on the other side of the city? What's going on with the Mets? What the hell's that all about? Uh, colossal disaster. I mean, sell the sell the team, Fred. It's it's that easy. Just sell the team because he's trying to hold on. He, I think he just sold a piece of the team for like two hundred million dollars, which. I think he got a pretty good deal. He sold the team for two hundred million. He doesn't have to give up majority ownership. Didn't have to give up piece of the TV network, but they're not going to pump any money into the team. And the team is actually not bad. Right, it's hanging in there. But everyone, every Met fans, in the, they know they're going to sell the parts. You know what I mean? It's like trading deadlines coming up, and you know everyone's already saying Beltran's going to be a, flip rivers and go to the Yankees, and Wright might be here, and Reyes might be in San Francisco, and it's and it's kind of. It kind of sucks because the team is hanging in there. They actually have a shot, and a deal or two would kind of make them contenders, but it's not going to happen because he won't He won't pump more money into the team. More money, more problems is what he likes to say. And the Madoff thing, the Madoff case gets, it seems to get worse and worse as it goes on. And just like, just settle a case and sell the team. Just move on. Uh, by the way, Earl, I brought up the story yesterday about um, Bowie when Bowie was at that party that we were at. Oh, at the... Um, was that the... Lou, it was the Lou Reed party. It was the Lou Reed party when he had his uh, book of photography out and you did the thin white duke gimmick. <laughs> it was cool because he was the last one to show up and the first one to leave. Well, yesterday I'm like, uh, well, I don't understand why we haven't had a tour from Mr. David Bowie many, many years. Then I read something online that there was going to be a tour. Now people are writing back to me. They think that that's a hoax. Earl, I need you to get to the bottom of what's going on with a man who fell to earth. Okay? Totally. I want you to find out what's going on with the lad insane, Ziggy Stardust. we got to have one more tour. Um... Actually, I have a pretty good source where I can find that out from, too. So, Yeah, get on it. Can right. you do it right now by the end of the show? Uh, I, can, I, I can send a quick text to somebody. Send a quick text, see if you get it back. Uh, Fez, there's some guy, Nathan, that wants to debate you um, on the telephone. Oh, okay, yeah, from the, I think he's from the PWTorch.com about Randy Savage. Should be in a top ten above John Cena. Um, Which I brought up at the beginning of the week. Who who was your beef with there? That was with Wade Keller. So that's the only person that you would want to debate? That is the only person. But let Wade Keller defend this ridiculous position of his. That John Cena is above the macho man in any all-time wrestler top ten list. He's the one who put it out there. Wow, Sam. Watching these athletes enter... Why the music's too loud? What? 
Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. That so that's the only person that I would take this to. Why are you doing with this other guy? I'm not going to deal with Wade Keller's underlings. I know Dirk does like me. Relax. The, uh, oh my God. Cronies. Uh, we'll talk out off air. I'm trying to figure out who oh, fucking girls inside guys. No, no problem telling everyone except me. It's actually not a guy. Anyway, inside girl. Is it Angela Bowie? No. You still stay in contact with her? <laughs> no. She's still alive? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see Source Code, by the way, his kids movie? No, I have not. I haven't been to a movie in, in forever. Well, you'd love them. You need to go see Up, then, because it is something else. That fucking balloon, old man, is really nice. It really all works out. It's an Ada, isn't it? That? Whatever. He was in here not too long ago talking all gruff and crazy. I didn't know what the fuck he was saying. <laughs> Remember Mary Tyler Moore? Yeah, I do. No answer back? No. Are you still thumbing a fucking thing there well um, well according to according to this no why 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 the hoax unless the person i'm i'm dealing with is not part of the 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 entourage <laughs> you might just unless he's going with new people no i'm not hearing anything i'm not hearing a goddamn thing I'm concerned. Yeah, remember he remember he had the uh, I mean he had the, the heart thing. He had the heart thing. He was faking the heart thing, like Fez. Here's people that always fake that they're sick. Fez, Fez's dad, and Jerry's kids. All right, my dad didn't fake that he was sick. He died from his illness. Oh, I didn't think that they were related. I don't know what the story is with Jerry's kids, though. Oh, didn't, didn't I hear Jerry's quitting? Yeah, he says he gives up on those fucking kids. He goes, I'm, he goes, I give them so much and I can't fucking walk yet. Please, I'm done. I wash my hands of them, he says. Ingrates. He's the ingrate. Well, he did it so long that he's leaving in a wheelchair. Maybe the way of doing that is calling it Jerry Lewis' disease. I'm <coughs> giving him the full fucking honors. Who's going to do the telethon now, or, or will there be one? D. Martin is coming back from from hell, and he's going to do it himself. <laughs> Dino? <laughs> yeah, according to this, no no dates. No Bowie dates. What's he going to do all summer? Just fucking sit around the beach? <laughs> I, don't. I don't get it. If I was Bowie, I'd be out on the fucking road. Saying to people. Doing a Dylan never-ending never tour. You know, when Dylan passes away, you're never going to stop crying, Earl. No, I will. I, I'm, I, I'm putting it out there now. I, don't call me. I'm going <laughs> to call you that day. No, no one talk. I will just be. I'll text you. I'll be a wreck. World-class wreck. I'll come over and sit with you. That will be the saddest of sad days. By the way, do you have a girl in your life right now? No, no. Guy? No. Get some cock? No. It's both of them at the same time, yeah. Stop. If you are, it's fine with us. If that's your secret. <laughs> no. You said a couple of years ago you had a secret. If that's it, I I'm fine. Juggle some balls. Stop it. But I care. Huh. We still love you as a friend. So you fucking... You're still accepted here, Earl. Chug cum. So what? Go ahead, drink it. 
Have a taste of yourself. You know what? Squirt some on our shoes because it doesn't bother us. We're not even prejudiced. We're accepting. As long as you admit it. Put some of that AIDS juice on the fucking top of our shoes. Come on, milk it out. You got the parade coming up soon, right, Earl? Uh, what? Oh, huh? <laughs> Gay parade. Gay no. pride. Yeah. No. He has your hair down. I'm not Come doing on. the parade. Come when on. is the parade? It's the end of June. Well. Get your short shirts out or all you're going this year. <laughs> you got a half shirt, right? One of those black half shirts? No, I do not. I'll make one I don't even remember you. the last time I, I, I can't remember the last time I wore shorts, period. Come on. Well, when you're dancing out. to Mighty Real, you said I got a fucking <laughs> you, you said I can't dance with any I, pant legs this no, fucking song. I did not dance out to Mighty Real. Fucking dance for us. Come on. You're a good fucking dancer. Look at her all go. Shit. That looks good. Why does he keep pointing to his dick though? Coming up in just a little bit, uh, it's the Unmasked that I don't remember. The one with uh, Michael McCann. Do you remember it at all, Hicks? Oh, yeah, I remember it. Yeah. I well, if I was that sick, why did you let me mingle with people after the show? I saw that you got out of there pretty quickly. I think those people kind of bum-rushed you. I then- got out of there and went into an ambulance where my heart stopped and I had to be revived. Oh. Earl, I saw what happens on the other side. I, I basically have been to the gates of heaven. What and I saw like? the most beautiful sight ever, and it's eternal. What was it? White people. White people enjoying eternity with other white people. No brothers? No. No sisters? I don't think when I'm there, there might be some time they come in for anybody who's that's their wish. Uh, you mean it's segregated? No, segregated would mean that the other people got there were just in another part. It's a sole ownership. Don't blame me, blame God. I think heaven's kind of, I have been thinking it's kind of mixed a little bit. A little bit of everything. Earth is that way. Not one. Not even. There is probably a way that you can get into a heaven. Just tell us where your cousin's hiding. It's for his own good, Earl. And I'll show up with baked goods and vegetables for your family. I'm not gonna rat him out. Drop a dime, Earl. Or yourself. Rat him out, or yourself. Doesn't matter to me. Somebody's going down. All right, uh, we do got a break here. Uh, by the way, we will be playing the Unmasked, but this weekend it's Paul Reiser Unmasked, too. So uh, Michael McKeon in just a couple minutes here, and Paul Reiser this weekend. Now, I'm going to play the Unmasked, and then I plan on being here live uh, from jury duty. So I'll finish the jury duty, come bolting up here just in time to be here for you. Earl, where will you be at this time tomorrow? Um, I'll probably be at the boiler room working. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. I mean, this was great. Oh, it was great seeing you again, buddy. Always good to see you guys. You know, when you walked out on us and stabbed us in the back, 
I go, well, at least now he'll come back and, you know, do guest spots every once in a while. Well, I was not in, the, in my right head. You were in your wrong head or your left head? Wrong head. Well, at least now you're not, you know, behind glass like sometimes I used to see in the past. I'd be like Earl and you'd be just sitting there on the other side of glass. The way Chris Stanley is right now. Yeah, I is. Where? On the glass. Oh. What was that? <laughs> That's his little impression. Don't fucking worry about it, Earl. He can worry a little. He's concerned. He doesn't know what it is. He hears words and it makes him worried. <laughs> he was having a stroke or something. I had three already. Why would you bring deal. it up? Why would you joke about that when you know what Fez's brother's going through? I don't know what it is. Say it fast, Fez. Uh, Corky is, has a uh, blocked carotid artery. They're trying to see if they can do surgery on it. They may not be able to without causing a stroke. Ooh. So what would they do instead? Um, I haven't heard that yet. If it's 100% block, I've heard they can't treat it. So I don't know where they go from there. Because they're afraid of this, busting this thing loose into his brain. Mm. So can he get a new head? I don't think so. It's awful. And I don't think they do neck bypass surgery. Well, uh, we ready to go into the unmasked? All right, so we taking a break first? We'll go break and then go into the unmasked. Uh, Earl, it was great to see you. Good to see you guys. Thank well, you. Plug your gig again, will you? Um, wow. Uh, well, first of all, there's the book, Black Rock Volume 1. It's mm -hmm. available now through blurb.com. It's also available as an ebook on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. And you can find out more information at earldouglas.wordpress.com. And I'm on the air tonight at midnight for um, WBAI, um, WBAI.org or 99.5 FM in New York. And plug your uh, Black Rock gig. Oh, uh, yes. The Black Rock Coalition Orchestra will salute the music of Sam Cooke. I'm coming to that. Where's it going to be at? Uh, the Schomburg. In, up in Harlem, Schomburg Center for Arts Never and Culture. Never mind. <laughs> it's safe. Uh, it's June 4th at 7 p.m. Uh, we salute the oh, still light then? Yes. I'll come in for the early part of the show. <laughs> we'll salute the music of Sam Cooke. Uh, it's going to be fantastic, saluting his 80th birthday. 80 years. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sam Cooke would have been 80, Miles Davis would have been 85, and Dylan is 70. When was uh, Miles Davis? It was yesterday, is it okay? Uh, yeah. Yesterday, yeah. Mm. I uh, spent the day in honoring him by choking a white person. <laughs> I just figured, you know, it was something he would have done. Uh, we break. We'll be back with an unmasked. And then, uh, Ron and Fez live at a post-jury duty show. Thanks for being here today. It's Ron and Fez. This is Unmasked. A revealing look inside the minds of comedy's biggest stars from the Ron and Fez Show. Here's host Ron Bennington. I will need to see your identification. <laughs> you guys already you all have security clearance, right? Yeah. Okay. You guys already met. Missed the phone booth stuffing joke on the way here. They are just jammed in this little room. <laughs> I think it's I think it's fun. Is that better? Yeah. yeah. A bit. Not uh, the smallest room I've ever played. <laughs> uh, I played a, uh, a delicatessen in Santa Barbara called the Giant Pickle Barrel. 
and they neglected to put a sign out front that there was any act going on. <laughs> so we watched the opening act, and then they watched us. <laughs> and because there were two of them and four of us, they had a bigger audience than we did. <laughs> and then we all went home. So I'm glad you all showed up. I don't feel so bad now. And that was just last year. That's the way, <laughs> <laughs> that's the way things have been going. <clears throat> uh, you're in town now doing Broadway, right? No, doing off-Broadway. Doing off-Broadway. Barrow Street Theater. Uh, our Town, mm -hmm. David Cromer's amazing production down at the Barrow Street Theater. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in it till Sunday. And then David Cromer, who was a, the director and also originated the role of the stage manager in this in this production, comes back for the final three weeks, and then uh, they say goodbye. You, uh, it seems to me like you stay doing so many different things. Every time I read something or hear something about you, you're going in a completely different direction. Hmm. Um, wonder why that is. Uh, <laughs> but is, is there a certain freedom to that? Is there a yeah. certain... Yeah. I think one of the best things about being an actor is that you don't have to do the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. You know? I, I mean, I, I probably could have worked in an office, you know? I, I don't think I would have been very good at it. I was a stock boy at Abraham and Strauss for about uh, three months, <laughs> and I did the same thing every day, which was basically to show up and then hide someplace and take a nap. <laughs> and then, you know, steal slightly damaged uh, electric toothbrushes and stuff. So. Well, you were one of the guys you started, you went to Carnegie Mellon. I did. As a kid. It was actually before it was Carnegie Mellon, it was before the Mellon money. It was called Carnegie uh, Institute of Technology, yeah. Carnegie Tech. So, uh, so I was at Carnegie before the Mellon money, and then I was at NYU before the Tisch money. <laughs> so what happens is the minute I leave an institution, they become endowed. So, so if you're listening, colleges. <laughs> so from an early age, you, you thought, I want to do something with comedy, yes. though? Uh, not necessarily comedy. I just wanted to be an actor. Mm -hmm. uh, my father took me to see Stanley Holloway's one-man show. Stanley Holloway is the guy who created the role of Doolittle in My Fair Lady, get me to the church on time, and it did it in the movie as well and uh, between the stage production and the, the movie he did a one-man show a limited run on Broadway and I my dad took me to see it and I thought man this looks like a great job mm. he's up there being really funny and great and people love him and all the you know all the seats are pointing toward him much as they are here <laughs> and I was enough of an 11 year old egomaniac that I thought that would be a good job yeah it is always interesting of what kids think alright this is doable mm -hmm. and then other kids would think well this just could never happen somebody like myself you know uh, well sometimes they're right <laughs> it, I, it, that, that could have been the case with me you yeah know? but I, I you know I, I got to I think very early on I decided that anything I wanted to do any character I was ever going to play would have to have some kind of reality that was kind of close to the reality that I was in which is where you want something and you go after it and you get it you know mm -hmm. and uh, it turned out that that really is one of the main principles of being an actor is it should be real so I listen I think no matter how broad a character might be I look for the reality Art Carney in the, in the Honeymooners is one of the greatest comic creations of all times is Ed Norton but I don't disbelieve him as broad as his character is I completely believe he's real because he's really doing something he's really setting out to do something he's taking Ed Norton's silliness very seriously uh, that goes for all of my favorite comic actors Stan Laurel uh, Alec Guinness you know who you know is Obi-Wan Kenobi but he was also in the early 50s he did some of the most amazingly funny brilliant performances ever and you know that's they were all very real so 
So uh, it's always about realism. And do you have to ever pull back? Do you find yourself at the, you know, getting the big laugh, but knowing? Oh, geez. Uh, this is, <laughs> I, I, I cheated there? Yeah. yeah. Fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, getting laughs feels so nice that you don't think about it too much. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. Well, the, you know, when I watch the... Uh, the films that you guys will do with uh, Spinal Tap mm -hmm. or the Christopher Guest things, yeah. it really doesn't appear like people are going for no. the big joke. Yeah, that's true. Uh, which, you know, most of the time when people go, oh, you got to go out and see some improvisational mm -hmm. comedy, it's almost unbearable because they're running around and they're, they're looking screaming. For, they're looking for something funny enough for them to black out. <laughs> yeah. They're always looking for a joke big enough so they go, oh, oh that's funny enough, black out. <laughs> Scene's over. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I've seen some great pros do that, but generally, you know, if you go to see a, a, a really good Second City company in Chicago mm -hmm. or Toronto, I, I, you know, I have not seen more than uh, the last company I saw in Toronto was the SCTV people who, you know, Catherine and, and right. Gene and, and John Candy and those people. Um, but I mean, the real, a really, really good season with those companies, you'll see people really, really taking it seriously and, and just being really good at it. Yeah. Uh, on off nights and uh, and other you know, other companies you might see you know <laughs> David David uh, Cross always talks about Houston's uh, unmixed nuts or something like <laughs> yeah. that I forget what he's, I'm, I'm misquoting him now but I mean it's just that that company yeah. you'll see people just boy they the minute they open their mouths they're looking for a way to end the scene yeah. with a big joke and that's not an improvisation that's a setup you know so all the guys that you work with you yeah. all come from that same background with that uh, yeah some. Somewhat, somewhat. Yeah. I, I was never in a Second City company. I've you know, worked out with them a couple of times in Chicago. But um, in 1975, right before Laverne and Shirley started, actually, David Lander and myself, uh, who played Squiggy in Laverne and Shirley, we were old pals and we had created these characters a long time before that, a long mm -hmm. time before the show. Um, but we worked with uh, a guy named Roger Bowen who was uh, with the original Second City Company, one of the original Second City Companies, and he was with the Compass Players, which actually predated uh, Second City. And um, he was he was kind of a by-the-books guy, very funny man. Very, He was the original, uh, in the movie of MASH, he played the character that um, uh, McLean Stevenson played in the series. Colonel, whatever his name was, and um, uh, but he was uh, he was a wonderful guy, and he put together this very loosely stitched company of people who liked to improvise, and it was it was a great education because we really he he was he did not suffer the easy way out. He he, he really liked things to be, you know, improvisation as it should be, which is living, which is being alive. Otherwise, you might just as well have somebody write a script for you. Right. Yeah. Uh, so the improv was there, and then, from what I understand, it's the way that you guys, with the characters of Lenny and Squiggy, you just yeah. kept improvising those characters before you did it for Gary Marshall? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, we used to just goof around as a character. We thought that those characters were the least commercial things we did, <laughs> you know. And then uh, <laughs> Penny, Penny uh, sold this show. You know, Penny and Gary had co-created it with uh, Lowell Gans and, and uh, Mark Rothman, and uh, they only had they only had the two characters. They only had the two girls, and the Eddie Mecca character, the right. big ragu, and they needed some more support. They needed some more working class kind of people. So Penny said, "Why don't you guys come to this party tonight?" And so we came to this party, and uh, Rob Reiner, who was married yeah. to Penny at the time. 
says, do those guys, do those guys you do. Do uh, Lenny and Anthony, they were their names then. It was before, it wasn't named Squiggy, his name was Anthony, Anthony Flizigliano. So, uh, <clears throat> so well, just, just go for it. And we, so we did something we had never done before or since, which was all about one of them had, had decided to apply to butler school. They were going to learn to be butlers. <laughs> Can't, I cannot quote anything from this. I have no idea what we said, but we got a lot of laughs. And the two producers, uh, uh, you know, uh, Lowell and Mark, were there, and they said, "These guys are pretty good. What? Do, how do we do this and, and save money? Because we didn't have any career. Like neither yeah. of us, you know, I didn't even have a SAG card. So, um, uh, so they said, yeah, well, we hired them as writers, as apprentice writers, because we weren't in the guild, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll pay them a little something, and then maybe we can work these characters in, you know, a few shows down the line." Uh, so the first script they had was in such trouble they wrote us into they wrote us into that first script and they made us kind of a MacGuffin uh, you know in in the story they made right. us actually something that kind of happened for us and we were in every show you know until like the sixth season or so but I guess leading up for it you never had that great moment it was just like you know smaller moments like oh you're going to be apprentice writer mm -hmm. that's not the kind of thing that you're like oh my god my life has changed no but once we had finished rehearsal and we had we were going to do the show shoot it in front of a live audience yeah we knew that that if this works, you know, this could be a lot of fun. But right before we, right before the very first scene, Cindy, Cindy Williams turned to the uh, the rest of us and said, "You know, this is going to flop, but <laughs> you, got, you guys are so much fun. Let's do something else, and let's open a pie shop or something, <laughs> a car wash. It doesn't matter. We're going to have a good time. That's the way things were. You never know." And when this show hit, yeah, uh, I mean, television isn't as big now as it was in those days. I mean, you're talking just well, it isn't as big because it's much bigger. Yeah, uh, there's more your choices. Yeah, you got 255 channels rather yeah. than six. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it's it's just a different game. But um, in those days, I mean, if your if your debut show went to number one, as we did. You had to say, "Gee, I guess we're a hit." <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know. So, but how many million of people were we talking about watching? Well, I don't know. Yeah. It was just uh, a lot, tons, a lot, yeah. just tons. So right away, huge life change for you guys. Yeah, well, things were changing anyway. I uh, when we were shooting the fifth show, I became a father. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's just nothing but changes for the whole first few years. Um, I, I didn't have that thing of, well, I can't walk down the street anymore because I looked so much different as the character than I did, right. you know, just walking around. So uh, I was invisible. But, you know, I'd walk down the street with Penny Marshall. It was, <laughs> they were all over her because they you know, couldn't, couldn't disguise her. You know? So did that feel like a blessing that you got that yeah. break? Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was nice. And, um, you know, a, a few years later, I, we drove across the country. My then wife and, and my, my uh, little boy and, and uh, our dog, we drove across the country. And it was great because I could still... You know, I could still kind of visit as uh, with real people and, and just interact with them. And they didn't know that I was some, you know, some guy that they had seen on TV. So it was nice. And yet, it was just gigantic because I remember Gary Marshall would take you guys and the Happy Days guys out and do like softball <clears throat> games. Yeah. And just thousands and thousands yeah. of people would fill I only stadiums. did that once, then Philly. 
Yeah. At the old, uh, was it Veterans Stadium? Veterans Stadium. That's yeah, where yeah. I saw you guys at. Yeah. I grew up down there, so uh, I thought it was just a, something that happened all the time. Well, the happy, <laughs> the happy Days guys, the Happy Days guys were all jobs. Oh, they were all yeah. doing it, yeah. yeah. David is David Lander was a born sportscaster. Right. He was never, you didn't want him on the field. <laughs> right. Uh, but he was a great thing. He was a guy I could do. It was the guy he played in, uh, in um, League of Their Own. Yeah. That's basically who David is. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a, even, even with the season they're having now, he's the number one Pittsburgh Pirates fan in the world. So, I mean, that's loyalty. Yeah. I mean, I haven't spoken to any Orioles fans this season, <laughs> but I imagine they're pretty lonely. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as you're doing that show, you couldn't get much bigger. When it started to slow down and yeah. look like it was going to run out, did that feel like... Uh, well, the end of the career, or that type of thing. No, yeah, I was I was really really lucky. Um, in nineteen eighty, I think <clears throat> they decided to um, move the show from Tuesday nights to Thursday nights because they had some new shows they wanted to try mm -hmm. out, and they wanted those hot slots there, you know, that they wanted to use. So they kept Happy Days where it was. They moved us to Thursday night. And it was a disaster. It was like the ratings went way down. We went from being like, you know, we had been number one, between one and five for four seasons. And then suddenly we were kind of like a regular TV show. <laughs> and that was a little, you know, it concerned us a little bit. So we protested and everybody protested and they moved us back. Um, and then they moved us to Hollywood. The idea that right. we went from Milwaukee to Hollywood, which is uh, one of the many sharks we jumped, I think. <laughs> before that phrase even existed, before Fonzie had jumped the shark, <clears throat> we jumped the country. <laughs> went from the Midwest to the West. Um, suddenly it was the 60s. You guys were yeah, yeah, in Hollywood exactly, in the exactly. 60s. And, you know, some of those shows were actually very funny. Mm -hmm. But it was a little bit different. So... Um, uh, you know, and when it, by the time it finished in 1983, uh, I had done, uh, I, had, I was just coming off uh, of shooting this movie called Young Doctors in Love, where it was this kind of very silly airplane style movie that Gary Marshall directed. And, uh, and you know, it wasn't a tremendous hit. It did pretty well, but it was very, very different than anything I'd done in Laverne and Shirley I was kind of this Richard Chamberlain looking leading man and my mm. hair was all bleached and everything and I was just cute as a button and, um, <laughs> and I was kind of playing straight man for a whole movie full of lunatics and Sean Young. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I had to add that. <laughs> but some lunatics are make-believe. Um, so, uh, and then the next thing that, that people saw me in was Spinal Tap. So even if my career had dead-ended at that point, no one could have said, he only does one thing. Right. You know? And I've often said that um, you don't get stereotyped because of your first job. You get stereotyped if your second job is the same as your first. Mm. Then you're screwed. You know. So I was really lucky to have a couple of opportunities that you know it it, it didn't make people forget Lenny, and I don't want them to forget Lenny. It was a lovely character, and I had a lot of fun doing it. And you know, I I, I, I gave him some reality. Like I say, I mean that's kind of very important to me. Uh, but we everybody had a good time, had a lot of laughs and everything. But I was able to to move on. I was able to you know to do other stuff. And now, I guess, with the work that you guys do, too, like you said, with the guest films, right. you go out of your way that the film is almost totally different from the film before yes. uh, in terms of characters. Right. So, so it's almost like you guys are trying to 
disappear in the new roles every time. Kind of. Yeah. 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 Watch Chris's character. Chris always just goes real, way deep. <laughs> you know, uh, so much so that they they really had to pull him apart from that bloodhound. Oh, I mean, he just he was so in love with that dog, and it was just it broke your heart when he had to give him back to the trainer. It really did. It really did. Uh, so when you guys were doing Spinal Tap, first of all, it was based right. on a sketch that you had done before. Uh, hmm. Sort of, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rob Reiner had a TV show called The TV Show. It was a pilot for a series. And it was a guy sitting there with a remote going through a day of programming. So you could parody absolutely any kind of TV. <clears throat> and one of the last show, one of the last uh, pieces in it was a parody of the old uh, Midnight Special show with right. Wolfman Jack. And Rob played Wolfman Jack, and we were this terrible rock and roll band called Spinal Tap from England. And with this, you can find it on, on the internet if you type in... Uh, uh, rock and Roll Nightmare Spinal Tap Rock and Roll Nightmare You can find this <laughs> This clip And it's pretty funny And um, So that was That was that And then uh, About a year later Rob was looking to Begin a You know A, a feature career In earnest And um, He said Well maybe we should try this Maybe we should do this <clears throat> It was 1980 It was during an actor strike So you know, apart from any union activity, and because no one was getting any money for it, we made a demo uh, film of kind of what the kind of film we wanted to make, because we didn't want to write a screenplay. We knew that we wanted it to be an improvised film so that it would have that verisimilitude, you know. And uh, we watched a lot of rock and roll stuff. Or, you know, we watched The the, the Last Waltz and uh, that uh, that amazing Led Zeppelin movie The Song Remains the Same which mm. is some of the most pretentious twaddle I've ever seen in my life <laughs> uh, wonderful man. the concert stuff is great yeah. but man they start putting on those suits of armor and everything I'm sorry <laughs> pretty funny um, Grateful Dead of some really good Grateful Dead uh, a documentary you know I'm, I'm not the, the, the world's number one deadhead but I do I do like mm. them you know and this was really kind of gave you that experience of being right kind of in this kind of grainy kind of world and watch a ton of other things, um, and then we just wanted to make something that was that was as real as that. No, no one had done an improvised comedy before, you guys. Uh, man, I can't imagine sure the studio true. thinking it was a good idea. Uh, you know, Cassavetes, all of his films were right. created improvisationally, but they did wind up with a script. Mm -hmm. uh, they created it improvisationally in rehearsal. They nailed certain things down and then kept it kind of loose and open ended. <clears throat> and you had, you know, madmen like uh, like Peter Falk and and, right. and Cassavetes and and um, you know and, and um, some others who could really really improvise. Jenna Rollins, one of the most brilliant actresses mm -hmm. who ever lived, uh, who could really take a moment, a, a real moment, and just keep it going way beyond the script. Uh, but he wasn't. He didn't do comedy specifically. You know, husbands is kind of a comedy, but it's so nasty. It's 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 not a lot of big laughs in it, but it's uh, it's still it's a, you could have to call it sort of an improvised comedy. But uh, with Spinal Tap, we just we wanted it to be completely improvised and just yeah. to happen on the fly. Uh, Howard Hessman's character didn't even exist forty eight hours before we shot the piece. Yeah. We had a guy. It was supposed to be that scene. You know the scene I'm talking about with Howard Hessman as the manager of this. this He's got to go away. We gotta go wait in the totally, totally Howard's line. Yeah, brilliant. We'd love to talk to you, but we gotta go sit in the lobby and wait for the limo. Okay. <laughs> but uh, 
but uh, we we th- that scene was going to be with them and and Duke Fame, this rock and roll guy. Mm-hmm. But we hired this real rock and roll guy, and not only couldn't he improvise, he could barely talk. You know, <laughs> he looked great, but he right. was terrified. I mean, he just didn't. Uh, he never acted before. Didn't quite know what to say. So, like Robin goes, "Hey, hey what are we going to do? Okay, let's call somebody we who can. Let's call Howard." So we called Howard, and he became the manager. We gave him a name, and he ran the scene. Yeah, you know. So it was all the stuff being done on the fly like that. We planned as much as we could, and eighty-five percent of it, you know, we knew what we were going to be doing where, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, barring the unforeseen, we 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 were able to play and and be completely improvisational, and then give Rob the ten-month job of putting it together. Yeah, because it was uh, it, we wound up with about ten hours of stuff. And I guess you are so dependent that he's going to be able to find the. The jokes in there, too. I mean, that's now that editing uh, becomes the blackout that you yeah. were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so, has that ever been cringy for you? Did you ever? That no. When you're, no, you're just you're able to get. No, it you know that uh, you know that some of the stuff that you're really in love with ain't gonna fit. Mm-hmm. You know, or it's gonna take you a different place. There was a whole subplot in Spinal Tap. Um, you remember the thing with the with the the fever where they all yeah. got the you know the, the right. herpes. <laughs> it was just me and Chris in the movie, but in the in the original, <clears throat> it's that we we first see that that sore on the lip of Cherie Curry of the Runaways, who was playing this <laughs> the lead singer in a, uh, in a band called the Dose. Mm-hmm. So we all picked up a dose from <laughs> Cherie Curry. <laughs> that was the joke. Mm-hmm. But her whole thing took us in, an, in such another uh, such a time consuming direction yeah. that we cut her that her she was completely cut out of the film. She was very good, but the it didn't. The, the center didn't hold you know what I mean so it wound up being a different joke you know you just use what you got <laughs> so you shoot all these hours 10 months go by yeah then you finally get to see yeah the film itself well we saw it in a bunch of different that that one yeah. particularly we saw it in a bunch of different versions uh you're going and watching it piece by piece with them and then being able to give some so, feedback. Yeah, we all went to dailies uh, oh. you know, all the time, as much as we could. Uh, at what point did you think to yourself, this is, this is even better than we thought? Um, well, um, we thought, we, we were very pleased with the way it was going, but as Embassy Pictures saw it, they were less and less pleased because it didn't look like anything else. Right. It didn't look like a movie that they knew how to sell. And sure enough, <laughs> they didn't know how to sell it. Yeah. But, you know, it was just kind of it was kind of something new under the sun. So it was not like it fit in any one particular slot. And there was some awfully good there was some awfully good comedies that summer, you know. Uh, Splash and Ghostbusters and some some big comedy movies that summer. So um, you know it's not like you know we 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 didn't do great at the box office, but we made every top ten list and 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 it stayed popular. I mean the film is still very popular and uh, you know whenever you know we put out a DVD version with still something new on it. You know we always sell a lot of them and uh, and uh, of course you know the companies we release them through don't accurately tell us how many we sold but <laughs> but you know we don't expect miracles <laughs> so uh after that came and went how long before you guys got back together it was took a while before you yeah it was so see the film came out in 84 mm-hmm. and um uh the, we were the three of us were scouted to do SNL and i had uh, uh, my then wife was pregnant and we had just got a new house and it was just was not a great time for me to go to new york it was i, I was you know i was going to be in la and so i said no and the other two guys said yeah chris and harry went to new york and and did snl 
And then um, there was, uh, you know, we, 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 I, I came and I hosted one week, and we did the folks, and we created the folks right. movie for that. And then, um, uh, so, you know, a few years went by, and we just did various other things, and Harry and I were doing a, a play at the Pasadena Playhouse, and uh, Chris, and uh, Chris, you know, showed up one day, came to see the show and everything, and we started chatting again, and um, we said, well, maybe we should actually do something. Maybe we should actually just, you know try and get back together maybe make another album go on the road whatever and we did mm -hmm. 1992 we did uh uh, we did that, just that. Uh, but in that time, you you did do Saturday Night Live at one point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't do it as a regular until the '90s. To the '90s. Yeah. Uh, how, how was that experience for you? You know, it wasn't a marriage made in heaven. Mm. The time to do SNL uh, is when you're 28 and hungry. Mm. And I was 46 and didn't give a crap. <laughs> I said, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I'm going to have as much fun as I can. And they're paying me pretty good money to live in my hometown. And uh, it was, you know, I, I, had a, I had a pretty good time. But it was not, it was, it was not, really, not really my, my cup of tea, and, nor I theirs. Plus the fact Phil Hartman left the show and saddled me with Clinton. Mm -hmm. And following Phil Hartman's Clinton... right. No, sir. No, it's, it's like following the Beatles a day in the life with your version. Standing up, I feel like I'm standing there with a ukulele. I read the news today, oh boy. <clears throat> so it was just, you know, it was, you know, a mixed blessing. But I did have some fun. I do remember when you did the Robert Evans character, and I had never saw anyone do that before. I know. It's pretty Apparently, much the standard now. He, well, he shows that to people. Oh, he does? Yes, he does. Robert Evans, when he, when he had first, when he, it was first on, People, every time I come over to us, I say, yeah, have you seen this? Hey, you're gonna see it. It's this guy. He can't do the voice at all, but look at him. Look at him. <laughs> Is that uh, something you'd picked up just knowing him? Because no, I never met him. Oh, you never met him before, no. <laughs> no, but he had. But I, I had the 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 uh, <laughs> the CD of him reading <laughs> the audio. The book. kid stays. The kid stays in the picture. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it was funny. I just saw. I just saw um, Dave uh, Mandel, who uh, he and I wrote that sketch, mm -hmm. and I just he works. He's on Seinfeld now. He's a you know producer uh, writer on that on Seinfeld. Uh, not Seinfeld. Um. You know, Larry's uh, curb. curb your enthusiasm. And uh, I just ran into him in Central Park because they're shooting here. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, I had done I had done one a uh, couple of seasons ago. And uh, so it was, it was nice to see. Nice to see. Oh, David. yeah. You did that very uncomfortable curb with. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> that may be the cringiest show. It's pretty cringy. In history. It yeah. is. It is. Um, and again, more improvisation. That's another show yeah. they kind of picked up where you guys uh, took it. Also, The Office, uh, Gigantic Fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Office was, the, uh, Ricky's version of The Office was never improvised. It really seems like it, but it's I had no all idea. scripted. It was all scripted, yeah. But he yeah. just used that kind of documentary yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. He said it was it was very much inspired by Spinal Tap, um, but uh, you know I think there may be a few moments, but it's it's mainly a scripted show uh, that he worked very hard on. He, Ricky worked very hard to make it seem like nobody did any work at all, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. which is the experience most of us have in an office, as you recall. <clears throat> and I do think also Spinal Tap brought in that we're doing a comedy, and I'm just going to give you this really sad or 
horrifyingly embarrassing scene <laughs> in the middle of it. And uh, you guys have, you know, now done that incredibly well over the next uh, four pictures. Yeah. Um, what was the What was the next film when you guys all got together? What did you do? Well, uh, I, I couldn't do Guffman because I was I was uh -huh. in the middle. I did the Brady Bunch movie and then I went back to SNL. Uh, so I was just I, I wasn't able to do it. But I worked on some of the songs. Chris and I wrote some a couple of the tunes and and he wrote a couple more with Harry. And uh, but neither of us were in the film. And then uh, um, Best in Show, I guess, which was ninety nine. Mm. And. Uh, then Mighty Wind was 2003. So that's what we do when we get together. <laughs> and For Your Consideration was 2005. And of course, the way my brain works, I, 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 I think back, I think, uh, let's see, what was my life like then? Did I have yeah. a beard then? You know, I just, that's how, the only thing I can remember what years things happened. <laughs> let's see, I, when I auditioned for Pajama Game, I had a beard. So that had to be 2005, right? And then we did 2006. Ah, that's right. That's right. <clears throat> but when did I go to England? End of 2006. Uh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Now I remember. So, so it's like, you know, the gigs tell me where I was and who I was. As you uh, put all these together, you have favorite characters or? For yourself, well, I'm very or very sentimental about David St. Hubbins, of sure. course. Uh, I love Lenny Kosnowski. He bought me a house and these teeth. Uh, <laughs> I've done as much as I could to abuse both. Um, I, uh, you know, um, the, the the character I'm doing right now, weirdly, at at uh, the Barrow Street Theater, which is, uh, I'm in my last few days of uh, our town down at the Barrow Street, which is just one of the most remarkable experiences I've ever had. A uh, great American play, a 72-year-old play that sounds like it could have been written yesterday. Um, so I'm, I'm loving that. Um, I've, I've, I've had a, a very good time. I love the guy I played in, in The Mighty Wind, too. I thought he was like, you know, just that kind of, don't ever tell him he's a loser, because then he'll know. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I kind of I like that. It right. charms me. I did a character on Broadway uh, at, at Steppenwolf Theater first, and then on Broadway last year called uh, a guy named Arthur Shibershevsky in a play called Superior Donuts that uh, Tracy Letts wrote. And um, that was a remarkable experience. It was a guy very, very close to me. It was a guy my own age who had to deal with the draft during the, the, the Vietnam era who, you know, kind of kind of hid as unlike me he kind of hid out from the world you know i don't i don't do that but i certainly had friends who did mm -hmm. and i certainly i had friends who who went to canada just like this guy did and then came creeping back when uh, you know when when president carter said it was all clear and then had to live with what he had done you know it was a remarkable character i loved playing that guy and i guess that whole what vietnam was going on while you were in college and mm -hmm. all this shaped all those Experiences it for colored you. everybody's worldview, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and for you, it seems like uh, you still have fun in every aspect of show business, not just the movies, but some of these yeah. off-Broadway plays. Oh, uh, sure, sure. I insist on it. In fact, you, you know, insist on having I a do, good time. I do. And sometimes uh, you get funny looks from people who are not having a good time. Mm. You know, but hey, sue me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> or fire me. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also, I think, and I'm not even quite sure how to put this, but in your comedy that they, that you do, I think which makes it a, a little different is there's, there's a kindness that you don't often find in comedy. Well, 
I think to to be a real person, you have to have you have to accept yourself. I mean, everybody should accept themselves anyway. Mm-hmm. But to play a character, you really have to have that character accept himself, or have knowledge about himself, or have something that he strives for, etc. Um, and I don't think you can do that in a negative way. I worked with uh, Helen Mirren in this movie called Teaching Mrs. Tingle, which should have been a better movie, but they had to change the ending because of Columbine. Oh yeah, it was. It, it, I mean, it should have been a real dark comedy, but then Columbine happened, and uh, I mean, I don't want students shooting teachers. That's not a good thing. <laughs> so it became a different kind of movie, and it was wasn't as successful but it was great to work with you know one of the best actresses alive and um she played this thoroughly evil woman you know and uh you know i we were just talking and she said you know it was whenever i have to play somebody who's really awful i always try and figure out what was done to them to make them this way now you can go overboard with that, you know. Mm-hmm. If somebody took Hitler's bicycle away, that doesn't excuse everything, you know. <laughs> Even if it was a really nice bike, it's a ten-speed. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but I know exactly what she was saying mm-hmm. because no, you can, if you play someone who's a neg- very negative character. Even if you are playing Hitler, he doesn't wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, "What can I do today that's really evil?" Yeah. He no, he thinks he 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 is riding. His bike, yeah. <laughs> his emotional bike. It, it makes sense to him, and he really thought he was saving the world, you know. And that's how that's what how you have to approach something. So if there's uh, I don't know about kindness necessarily, but at least an acceptance of a person, a person, a character has to accept who he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we all have that impulse. We all want to be happier with ourselves, or at least think that there's maybe a way out of this mess. So. Uh, the other part, of course, uh, and you brought it up a few times, but the fact that you've written so much music for mm-hmm. film now and TV, um, is that something you sit down to do, or is that just something that happens? Uh, if I can find the strap to my guitar, I do it standing up. <laughs> if I can't find the strap, I do it sitting down. <laughs> I hope I've dodged the question. Uh, you know, I, my wife and I have been writing a lot together. We're writing a musical right now. We're writing a musical for the stage, yeah. Well, you also, you guys were nominated for uh, an Oscar. Yes, we were. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah, it's ridiculous yeah. when you think about well, it. Well, I was, you know, up against T-Bone Burnett and Sting and uh, <laughs> Elvis Costello and uh, <laughs> and those lunatics from the triplets of Belleville, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and Annie Lennox and you know, and the the, the Lord now, of the Rings, which of course won. But uh, how, had she written at all before? Just no, she, with well, you. It was weird. Uh, after uh, uh, September 11th, she had just started working in Vancouver on this Smallville show. So September 11th happened and it was like I gotta get out of here. She rented a car, couldn't get a flight out of Mm -hmm. Vancouver, of course. No one could fly anywhere for weeks. So she rented a car and she drove back down to LA and like the next day they called and they said, we really need you back, you gotta come back. So we both got in the car and we drove up back up to Vancouver and uh, she she, she says it's somewhere between Seattle and Portland (laughs) this tune started going through her head and she sings this tune to me she says am I making this up is is this new or is this an old standard that I just so she hummed this so I said I don't know that so I think you're making it up so we uh, we said well let's remember this I didn't have any recording device or anything you know so I uh, we said well let's, let's Let's make a, some, just put some nonsense words in it, like 
uh, Paul McCartney did with Scrambled Eggs, which eventually became yesterday. <laughs> so uh, the, the rhythm was uh, uh, potatoes in the paddy wagon. So we f- fell in love with the phrase. So we said, well, we got to write the whole song. It's got to be. <laughs> so she said, okay, but Potato has to be a girl. I said, okay. So there's a girl named Potato. And we had to figure out why she's named Potato and then why she's in the, the paddy wagon and then how it all ends. Give it a happy ending. And, and so we made this one of the world's silliest damn songs. And we played it for Chris uh, when we got back, uh, back to town. Because he was, because we were all, we were, you know, starting to do, do write stuff for Mighty Wind. So we played the song that we had written, and he said, Man, that's great, that's great for the new Main Street singers in this, uh, you know. And then he said, would you like to try and write this song? we got to write a song for Mitch and Mickey. It's got to be their, you know, kind of their signature song. And uh, so she and I wrote uh, this song, Kiss at the End of the Rainbow. And um, Chris loved it. Jamie, his wife, loved it even more. Chris, Chris said, it's a great song. It's, it's a little bit too kind of straight, though. It's no, got no jokes yeah. in it. And Jamie said, no, 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 no. Chris, Chris, sit down, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't really say that, but she, she, that, the look said that. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, no, she, that's, 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 should be it. You know, Let the comedy happen around it rather than within it and Chris used it so beautifully in the movie you know and uh, so and she and I wrote uh, The Sea Shanty uh, with uh, C.J. Vanston uh, Faraway it's called and then I wrote another a lot of stuff with everybody else you know with other people once with one with Eugene and, and Christopher the, the title tune and uh, some other things with Chris and a couple of songs with Harry Wandering I wrote with Harry and uh, the Bible so the good book song and um yeah, so that's anyway. That's how Annette and I started writing songs together, and we wrote a backup song for uh, uh, "Kiss at the End of the Rainbow," a, a little more up tempo, kind of leaving on a jet plane kind of a song. Mm-hmm. So we we just started amassing songs. We started writing songs about stuff that interested us, and she would you know see a newspaper headline that that she thought would make a good song, and she'd write, you know, sometimes she'd write the whole thing, and uh, she wrote a, one beautiful lyric for a song called "Dream Loop." Which um, she just said, I just I don't have a don't have a melody. I just have the the words, and so I I wrote the music to that. So we don't work in any one particular way, um, which is nice. It works out well. But it must have been such an extraordinary thing to get that phone call that this little kind of side hobby that you guys yeah. were playing <laughs> nominated for I an know. Oscar. It was pretty cool with Elvis Costello yeah, yeah, yeah. Sting. I mean, that's yeah. that had to be a bizarre. And then I guess you have the whole whatever they do out there with the different lunches and it just goes on yeah, for a while, right? Yeah. It was pretty cool. It really yeah. was. Yeah. We got to hang out with some remarkable people. Um, by the way, we should I, I don't know everybody knows it, but Annette O'Toole is Michael's wife, which I can put up with all the rest of your successes, but that one really gets to me. <laughs> that one. I know. <laughs> that, well, everything else I can explain. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, at a certain point, we got to say, uh-oh, uh, yeah, this yeah, isn't yeah. fair. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I'll make it even worse for you. She can cook and she knits and, <laughs> and she's funny as hell. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And now you're songwriters <laughs> together doing yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah. Have you ever, I know you've done some TV stuff, but have you ever done the plays with her? Have you guys ever looked? No, uh, we're actually in discussion about something right now, which you'll hear about if you hear about it at all. you hear about, hear about it in a few months. Um, 
uh, to, to act together in something. Uh, the only thing we've ever done like that, uh, our friend uh, Lynn Mamet, who's uh, a, a wonderful playwright, mm-hmm. uh, wrote a, a, a play, and we did a, a stage reading of it. Uh, I don't think we were husband and wife. I think we were kind of adversarial. Uh, I think it was maybe a, a, a couple that was in, that had broken up and were now fighting over, you know, custody and stuff. That was a nasty little play. Mm-hmm. But um, that's the only thing we've ever done like that. Yeah. And you guys actually had to sit there and fight back and forth with yeah. each other. Yeah. That can't be helpful, huh? It's, it's actually it gets a lot of stuff out of your system. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to work on the play again. (laughs) Uh, Any idea when you guys are going to do something with Chris again? Is there any plans? Just last month, uh, Chris and Harry and myself got together to talk about a few... A few things because we had done a you know we've done some sporadically done some tap gigs we did mm-hmm. a we did a, a thirty city tour as the unwigged you know just the three of us doing songs from tap and uh, Guffman and Mighty Wind and uh, various other things that we had done together and uh, on, then we did two dates in the UK as tap we played the Glastonbury Festival for uh, just one hundred thirty five thousand of our closest <laughs> friends and uh, I know some of them were there to see. Uh, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and, <laughs> and and Springsteen, also on the bill. But uh, I think there were a lot of people who came just for us. Uh, and then we played uh, at the, two days later, we played at Wembley Arena, and uh, it was a killer show. And the folksman opened for uh, Spinal Tap, so <laughs> we got we got it all in. We, we just we, we we shot the wad that night. We had to, such a great time. And, you know, it's, if we could figure out a way to do a, another limited tour, you know, just you know, just break even because we have a lot of fun doing it. So, but is there so. any kind of other musical genre that you guys are looking at? Uh, no, not really. Cowboy swing, maybe. Cowboy swing. Yeah, we love cowboys. <laughs> we love us some cowboy swing. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, as far as so we were anyway, Chris and Harry and myself were talking about other stuff, and Chris just started dropping some cryptic questions about a certain topic, and you know, kind of feeling us out about who knows what about this and. And uh, so we said, well, why? Why? Why do you want to know? And he said, oh, just uh, Gene and I are talking. Uh, he's very coy, you know. What has to happen with Chris, he's, he, 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 goes out, he goes fishing in Idaho, goes fly fishing. And he's all alone. There's nobody around except him and the fish. And uh, eventually uh, he gets an idea. And then he and Eugene start kind of, it's, like, it's kind of like a rock tumbler. You know, those things, but it's quieter than a rock tumbler. <laughs> but, you know, eventually they just work this stuff out, and then eventually they, uh, you know, they come. So, anyway, watch this space. Uh, and then you guys will generally just get the kind of background of the character? Right, and then uh, then there is a scenario. Mm-hmm. There's no screenplay because there's no dialogue, but there's a scenario, and uh, which is basically a paragraph or two about every scene, um, you know, who's in it, and basically what happens. And... Uh, and then, you know, get there. No rehearsal. Just get there and just play. Play what your character is after. It's really a very basic acting thing. You can't play a scene unless you know what your character wants. Right. So that's all kind of spelled out. Just the dialogue's the only thing that's missing. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, if you don't have a joke, there are plenty of people who do. No. And most of them are named Fred Willard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
you know, I mean, he—he's he, Fred has a little window into another universe of <laughs> of jokes that are terribly corny in that universe, but are coming out of—I I don't know how he does it. Some of some of the most a, age-old jokes come out of Fred, mm-hmm. sounding like they're brand new, like, like he just thought them up. Uh, and you know, of course, some other brilliant people, you know, Higgins and and uh, Jennifer Coolidge. I mean, now, this insanely is funny. Jane Lynch. I mean. Yeah. You know, these are just remarkably funny. And now Jane Lynch is uh, on Glee. No, gigantic. I know. Overnight. It's like it's so nice not to have to explain to people who the hell Jane Lynch is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh my god. There's something you can find on YouTube, which is uh, my wife and Jane Lynch doing. Uh, Everybody ought to have a maid. From mm-hmm. uh, funny thing happened on the way to the forum at this uh, this uh, benefit uh, for breast cancer awareness that they did, and it's so hilarious but I remember at the time this was like three years ago and I remember at the time say yeah it's Annette and Jane Lynch <laughs> now who's that again well she's a really tall blonde woman who's in Chris's movies <laughs> not Jennifer Coolidge no 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 no. It's the other with the short hair they're just you know oh yeah yeah and she's also in the 40 year old <clears throat> and uh, but now it's like she's the funniest woman on television and yeah. everybody knows it and they stole her away from Party Down on Me, which I'm just crushed about. Well, hey. Because I loved her on there. Yeah, she was on yeah. Well, survival of the fittest. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't step in the way of her paycheck. <laughs> I should let her make a little money. No, she's a remarkable woman. Well, this is really exciting to hear that maybe something... We'll see, we'll see. ...is coming along, and I'm going to guess it's a fireman picture. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> maybe if I just keep throwing out hints like no, that. No, <laughs> Sorry. Fine. And it's not about satellite radio yeah. either. <laughs> no, it'll already be done by the time you guys got it out. <laughs> it already had its run. But it wouldn't be free. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we're going to let some of these uh, folks ask you some questions. Oh, okay. Um, Hi, how are you? Hi, good. Um, question for you about Laverne and Shirley. How okay. was uh, how bad was the tension between uh, Penny Marshall and Cindy? It wasn't really between the two of them. Uh, and I'll be very frank about this. Uh, the writers wrote Laverne brilliantly. They had no idea how to write the other character. It was just, they kept writing this kind of sissy or something, you know? Penny, they could write a tough guy, mm-hmm. you know? And she delivered it, and it was, she, you know, it was just amazing. Cindy could have done anything they gave him, uh, that they gave her, but it was, um, I, I, I just don't think they knew how to do it. So it was more about her frustration with, uh, with, the, with the writers than anything else, really, you know? Uh, if there was tension between the two of them uh, on a personal level, it's not something that I was I was party to, or something that I ever, I ever saw. So, so it was all professional on the set, as far oh, as yeah, you yeah. can say. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I remember, uh, and I hadn't thought about it until he brought it up. There was always those rumors in the different. Uh, well, at the very there. end, at the very end of the whole, I mean, take it from me: every hit series is on one year too long, <laughs> and we all know it. <laughs> But you can't tell that to the people while they're doing it, you know? You just have to be in the middle of the last season of <laughs> fill in the blank of great series, hit series, whatever. It's always on one too long. And in the middle of the very beginning of this last season of Laverne and Shirley, Cindy was pregnant with her first child. Uh, she, you know, she didn't want to shoot past a certain time of night, which was, she was exactly right. And when they made her shoot 20 minutes past the deadline, she got pissed off. It's those things happen, and that because it's too because it takes too long to explain, 
it's never explained. And instead, people just like to think, oh, I, the two girls didn't get along. There's nothing like that. Hi. Uh, I was wondering, do you have any plans to do an album of Michael McKean music as yourself? Um, I'm not sure what the point would be. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I think I'd like to hire a band. Uh, you know, with uh, to do a bunch of my material because I got a lot of songs nobody's heard. Uh, you know, and I, I I don't fancy myself a singer particularly if I'm not in character, and I don't want to do just a bunch of different characters singing. So I don't know. It, it uh, you know, if I could find someone, you know, to really deliver like that, you know, uh, maybe. But otherwise, I don't think so. But the amazing thing is your career particularly like after you said you did the Un unwig tour the people that you were parroting don't get to do such big tours these days you know? uh, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah you guys have outlasted the people that you were doing parodies well, we did of. it by, by going away for decades yeah. at a time yeah 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 this no this is a terrible summer as uh, I'm, I'm led to understand that uh, the people are having oh it's very very rough yeah yeah, yeah we, we did late spring late spring of last year um, we played some great venues. Didn't fill them all, you know. Mm -hmm. It was some of it was was tough, <clears throat> but we, you know, we we played some of the right venues. We played the, the we played the Ryman Auditorium, <laughs> the home of the of the Grand Old Opry, in Nashville, and it was fabulous. I mean, it was exactly what you wanted uh, wanted to be. Oh my God, it was fun, you know. And so those they, they, we did thirty cities, like I say. I'd say twenty. Twenty-four of them were really terrific shows, and the others were fine. It just they weren't, you know, didn't sell a ton, and uh, you know, and uh, you know, sometimes the audience, you know, seemed like they wanted to see a different show. They wanted to see the wigs and the and the mm -hmm. glitter, you know. But hey, you, babe, you came to the wrong show. Okay? <laughs> we we tried to make it plain what we were doing here, and most people most people were fine with that. But uh, man, I can't imagine trying to mount a big show in this in this economy. And you know, it, with uh, you know, people are people are very particular as they should be about how they spend their thirty, forty, fifty dollars. Yeah, I am. Yeah, well, even now too, it's most of the big summer tours are a lot more than fifty dollars. Yeah, I know, I know. It's gotten rough. Um, you know, there's always the juggalos. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice. I know that. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, yes. How confident were you going into the Jeopardy Celebrity Tournament? <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, I, I, I had played three, three times before, and I was undefeated. So I knew that even if I completely crapped out, I could say, hey, I won three times. <laughs> you know? But uh, <clears throat> uh, going into the, the final two, um, I, I guess I was sort of confident. You know, I, I was playing against two really, really good players. You know, Cheech and and, uh, and Jane Curtin are both really bright and very fast on the button. <laughs> so, uh, so I just, you know, I just did, I didn't want to, you know, crap all over myself. <laughs> that's, you know, so that's that's that was my ambition. And um, no, I did good. I did good. Won a million bucks for the uh, International Myeloma Foundation, and uh, so it was a good thing. Can't beat that. Nope. Yes. Uh, when you do a Christopher Guest film, do you come up with your own character's name, like Stefan Vanderhoof in no. Best in Show? <laughs> no, I came with Jerry Palter I came up with, because when we created those characters, uh, Jerry Palter, I got the last name from Lou Palter, who was one of my acting teachers at uh, at uh, Carnegie, um, the guy I, I admired. Uh, 
but uh, no, it's usually it's usually Harry and uh, I mean usually uh, Chris and Gene come up with the with the names. Stefan Vanderhoof is a pretty funny name. <laughs> he got him. I don't think I could have improved that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and though you did turn around and give Gene that song though, and had he done any singing uh, before? Playing that character, I don't remember him singing. Anything. Well, he sang in uh, Best in Show. He and, uh, oh, and yeah, Catherine right. do uh, "God Loves a uh, God Loves a Terrier," <laughs> <laughs> and he had and he had sung he had sung on SCTV. Uh-huh. I don't really remember his his Perry Como. Oh, the lay the lying on the stage. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that was the sketch that that made Christopher fall in love with Eugene Levy. Oh yeah, yes, is that it? Was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a great show that was, too. Oh, CTV please. Show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pound for Pound, the, oh, yeah. maybe the funniest show, uh, you know, sketch show ever. And just totally outside of any bounds that yeah. you could possibly have. When you're watching right. it, you're like, I'm not even sure how you write these jokes, you know? No, you know, I, it, uh, I, uh, I spent a little time with, uh, with uh, Harold Ramis uh, mm-hmm. a few years ago and talked a lot about SCTV because he was the head writer on the first season. And then... He didn't. Then he went off to do films. He went mm-hmm. off to, you know, he wrote and uh, directed Caddyshack. Uh, directed Caddyshack? I think Caddyshack, and there was the other Bill Murray, right? Uh, Stripes? No, he didn't direct Stripes. Irving, uh, 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 I think Ivan he would, Reitman. Uh, yeah, he did. Stripes. I think But he, anyway, he was, a, he, he was he getting a guy into that business yeah. more. And, uh, but what he had left behind was this real kind of a work ethic about getting it right and then you can shoot it mm-hmm. don't like oh write a sketch and then shoot the sketch they wrote they wrote a whole season really you know uh, uh, and then then they would shoot it and the kids in the hall did the same thing uh, that's what they do in a, a lot of uh, you know a lot of the British shows they would do that um, they would write you know a number of shows and then they'd go to work shooting them of course they change along the way but uh, it's a pretty smart way to do things and couldn't be any more different than Saturday Night Live where they're well, writing up thing. to the last moment you're writing to get it on 1130 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time when you're watching people do that show you see them reading uh, yeah you know because they've changed stuff from dress yes. rehearsal yeah very very tough to pull off yeah uh, over here yep uh, since you've done a lot of cool stuff in your career, what do you most want to be remembered for? Not that you're dying or anything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're all dying, dying brother. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. I never really thought about it. Um, you know, I, 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 I've said that when I do go, um, you know, torch me. I don't want any of that open coffin crap. <laughs> but uh, if you want to have any kind of a memorial service... Give me a big screen TV and show a lot of Laurel and Hardy, you know? So, if there's anything I want to leave behind, it's that I made some people laugh, you know? That's not all I do. I do, you know, I, I, I do other kinds of things, too, as an actor. But uh, when you make people laugh, you make them live longer. You make them healthier. It's really, really good for you. There's got to be some purpose for it. You know, otherwise it's just noise. But it really does make you better. It makes you feel better, and it makes your body run better, I feel. And so, uh, I don't know. It's not one particular thing, but I think maybe if I did anything medicinal for humanity, that was it. Michael McKeon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you.
Mask with Ron Bennington from The Ron and Fez Show, interviewing comedy's biggest stars. You're listening to The Virus. The ferry boat dock things. They ran it completely over. There's the people dock. swimming. The, the docks, they fell off the dock. There's got to be 50 people in the river. In the river, ladies. Outside, there's a boxcar waiting. Outside, the family's Buddies, it's the Ron and Fez show, and now we are live. This is how we do it. To quote, uh, to quote East Side Dave uh, countries. Uh, speaking of witch hicks, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. But now I need you to pick up the phone eight six six Ron zero Fez eight six six Ron zero Fez. It's a very very big Memorial Day weekend, and I discovered something today. It looks like most people are taking a four-day weekend, because I was down in that courthouse in lower Manhattan, and uh, it was the emptiest I've ever seen it. Uh, even around here, people are already pretty much taken off. There's drinking in the hallways. People just, because it's just, at the end of the nice day, after just like, it seems like two weeks of fucking rain, people are yeah. just saying, fuck it. It's Friday, Monday's Memorial Day, I'm done. It's Friday, you ain't got no job. You got shit to do. You might as well get high. <laughs> um, all right, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. The Unmasked that just played was Michael McKeon. And in that Unmasked, my appendix had already burst. Oh. So uh, this is an Unmasked that I don't remember anything that we talked about. And, uh, and I still haven't heard it. Obviously, um, so I have no memory of that at all. That's okay. Just think of it as like a blackout. Well, the weird thing is exactly that. That's comfortable for you, but it is kind of like that, where it's kind of like hazy. Like, hey, did I say anything weird to Michael McCann? <laughs> he dropped an M bomb or something. Yeah, and the weird thing is, I always, you know, really dug the guy. Uh, obviously, awesome. the uh, films that he does with Christopher Guest are some of my favorite shit in the world. Spinal Tap and. I'm going to tell you the truth, even Lenny and Squiggy made me laugh. So to not really remember that kind of really uh, pisses me off a little bit. Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's Ben in Atlanta. You're in Run of Fez. Ronnie. Yeah. Hey, that was a great unmet. That's the first time I got to hear it. Um, so I guess I'm one ahead of you. Uh, one fun. other thing I have is you know, I thought it was crazy at the end of it. He says... You know, your, your appendix had burst, and at the end of it, he says, you know, you need to laugh a lot. I think it's good for your body. It makes you feel better and live longer. So I thought that was pretty ironic. I yeah, I guess that is. I don't, uh, obviously, I don't even recall that at all. And um, I had heard from a couple people that I treated them very strangely after the unmasked. Matter of fact, that was the day that we met the kid. And I said, and I didn't know that he was going to be on my intern. You mean draft house? Yeah. And I said to him, why do I have to shake everyone's fucking hands? Michael <laughs> McKean doesn't. 
Um, here's Bill in Boston. You're on the Run of Face show. Hey, Ron, I really enjoyed that unmasked. That was pretty sweet. Uh, you can barely, um, well, not barely, you can't really even tell that something's wrong with you. It's just it's pretty smooth. It float nice. That is weird, and I remember the only thing that I kind of remember from the Unmasked is thinking, hey, this is great. He's very talkative. He's, you know, able to run with stories. I'm going to make it through this okay. That was it. Um, A little while later, uh, no, I actually went right from here, I think, to see a doctor and then into the hospital. Oh, God. But I didn't even go to a doctor's office. The doctor came over to my apartment. Oh, sick. Yeah, I mean, I like to live like it's the 1930s. <laughs> and then uh, she says to me, oh, you got to go to the hospital. And I'm like, what's the whole fucking point of having you come over here? Why can't we set this up like it's a little hospital in my bedroom? Yeah, really. You could get an IV in there and it's fucking fine. I was like, you ever watch those old movies and they'll have a hotel doctor? And you're thinking, how, were there a lot more doctors in those days? I mean, I can't even get fucking room service from in a hotel anymore. You can't get extra towels. And in the 1940s, you could get a doctor set up. I feel like doctors weren't as uh, valued back then, almost. It's like more of a shittier job. I, I, so, like, they were looking for work. So, like, yeah, it's a fucking hotel hire. I mean, sure, I'll fucking treat these I people. I think people were going for the home remedies then. I don't know. Like, I it was still yeah, a witchcraft I mean, era. It's it's like the 40s. I don't think that's a big problem. Like, if you watch uh, any of those Rock Hudson movies from the 1950s and all, is there a hotel doctor? Yes, send him up here. There was even a hotel doctor in the Cameron Crowe movie. He was staying at the Plaza. So that would have been 1973. I couldn't see that last And almost games. famous. Yeah. Remember? And they, uh, the girl had OD'd, and she fucking calls, he calls downstairs, and uh, they come up and help the girl fucking throw up, put a tube down her throat. It's very nice of them. Yeah, well, I'd like to have a fucking hotel doctor here. It's not too much to ask. Uh, Ro, you're on the Run of Fish show. Hey, Ron, how you doing? I'm good, honey. How are you? What a crappy week you've had, huh? How's, how are the dogs doing? They're, everything's good. Good. They're all good. Listen... My husband had two open heart surgeries. He folded like a cheap suit. Okay, he caved. You are unbelievably awesome. You know what? You're what just being hero. you're just being kind to me today. Uh, um, nope. I'm telling you, I thought he was a hero. Forget it. You are unbelievable. Oh, that, you... that interview. I mean, you couldn't even tell. I mean, we know it now. Yeah. So it was a little cringy listening to it. Well, you know what's weird is that probably the appendix probably even burst a couple days before that, if I'm going by with them. But I know during that is when uh, the pain started to get just fucking ridiculous that day. It had to be insane for you. Oh, as a matter of fact, wasn't I kind of sleeping in a chair before that unmasked started? I sat in a chair here. And then you guys are like, no, I got to get you over to the hospital. And you put me under... Oh, no way. You didn't no. even fucking no. say a thing about it. You're just like, uh, do you know where we put those chairs? It's time to start unmasked. Anybody? Um, let me go over these questions for it with you. Ron's going to start soon. Wake up. And then I don't even, I was so crazy from that. I don't even remember you guys fucking meet me at the hospital. You probably didn't know I even went in. I know. Hello. Uh, Dan, you're on the Ron and Fez show. I'll try again. Hey, Dan. Yo, Ronnie. Call of the year contestant. 
Hey, uh, did you like that Sports Illustrated I brought to you when you were in the hospital? I'll just have to take your word for it, Dan. That would have been the joke, though, to go to the act like, yes, I was there. Would have been a funny gimmick. All right, it is the Ron and Fez Show. Hicks, you said you got something on your mind here today. Oh, Christ, yeah. Fucking, you know my love for Jimmy Buffett. I had no idea you were a big Buffet fan. <laughs> well, it turns out, you know, we talked about Farmville before. The... Uh, what are you talking about? None of, first of all, you just say, you know that I love Buffett, and then we were talking about <laughs> Farmville before. Well, there's, there's going to be a link between the two. But first of all, we weren't talking about Farmville v before, and you don't like Jimmy Buffett. No. Well, this is a reverse setup, because now Buffett's coming to Facebook. Who's talking about emailing? Oh, this is in the background. Phone screener. Mm. Jimmy Buffett is bringing Margaritaville the game to Facebook and What's iPhone. What's up? <sighs> okay. Why don't you switch out and come over here okay, so I can okay. have a fuck, yeah, so I can okay. have a conversation with you, uh, Chris Stanley. I'm taking him out of that room and I'm bringing him in this room because uh, there's just a lot of uh, ruckus going on over there. Um, but what he's telling us is this: there is a show called Farmville, right? That's the whole gimmick. There's a video game called Farmville. All right, now, a video game uh, where you pretend that you're running on a farm. Yeah, and people are like, hey, I just made, a, I just got a new crop of potatoes in. I get extra Farmville points. Or basically stuff to that effect. And it is gigantic. It blew up on Facebook. Well, I had read about the guy. He not only owns Farmville, but he owns the Mafia game, right? Yeah. He's a fucking billionaire. Yeah, he's fucking low. A billionaire for no apparent reason. For, like, the worst, most pathetic time wasters you'll ever fucking witness. It's ridiculous. There's nothing fun about it whatsoever, but people are obsessed with it. So, Jimmy Buffett sees this, and these people are probably like, hey, let's fucking source out Margaritaville and have people go on Facebook and fucking open their own bars and fight pirates. It's crazy that this fucking guy's getting into this, and I guess the people are out there, I mean, the Buffett's huge. He's making, what, billions of these? It's like a fucking billion dollars. It's right. crazy. Um, so what do you got to do in Margaritaville? You fight pirates? You can, yeah, it's, uh, this I is thought a, you are a pirate. Yeah, I know, but apparently you can open your own Margaritaville bar. Buffett says, the Margaritaville laid-back state of mind is inherently social. And THQ has captured the spirit of that lifestyle in this game. With but here's the thing. If I want to go to a bar, I'll go to a bar. I don't want to fucking like, have pretend drinks. Yeah, yeah, that's basically what you're doing. Like You're going to go make some fucking margaritas in the pretend Margaritaville bar that you See, that's built. what I don't understand about those games. Like, if you had a job... Where you made margaritas, you'd probably be going like this. I can't believe how bad my life turned out. I should have fucking stayed in school. I'm stuck in this shitty seaside bar fucking mixing drinks for tourists. You would, yeah, you wouldn't want to do it. And yet, now, you're going to probably... Probably somebody works in a bar, then goes home and plays Margaritaville. Yeah, shit, I can't wait. This bar's doing bang up business. It's fucking hysterical. The same thing. It's like it's the same thing. I like guess SimCity or Sim Life. Those games are you. Just where you're just building a fucking city and running it. Now this will only be played by the Jimmy Buffett fans, though, right? I mean, I can't imagine any non-fans want to act like they live in Margaritaville. I and here's another thing. <laughs> I think Margaritaville came out in like 1976. Christ, it's time to fucking put it behind us. Yeah, but he's still playing it. And people are still fucking loving it. It's crazy. I get it, but it doesn't have to be like now the Margaritaville restaurant and the Margaritaville game. The blender. Uh, I mean, even if you're a big fan of Jimmy Buffett, yeah. Margaritaville isn't your favorite fucking song. 
I, I prefer cheeseburger if we're going to listen to fucking Buffett. And I, I guess a lot of the older demographic is getting into fuck the Facebook since, I mean, that's the people that it's, it's aiming towards. Because this game's going to be big on Facebook and the iPhone. Well, now everyone has Facebook. Yeah. You can't act like it's somehow cutting edge. There's something like 500 million people. That's like, oh, my grandmother's using a telephone. You can't fucking <laughs> be happy about it. Good for her. Um, I hate saying this name, but here's Poopsie. You're on my face. Hey, okay, so, you know, there's Cityville and there's Farmville and all that shit on Facebook. Yeah. They've got a new one now where you build your own damn radio station, supposedly coming out, and you are the OM or the GM, the general manager of this radio station. But here's the thing. On a radio station, being the GM is the worst fucking job that there is. <laughs> exactly. How about you people just go get a fucking job and get a life? How about they just go back to listening to the radio? would be great. That'd be cool. <laughs> um... Here's Jenny. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hi. Yeah, I'm just saying, why not? Why not run a run an imaginary farm while you're while you're doing your job? I mean, it's the greatest sensation you can ever get. Why don't you just start planting some fucking carrots for yourself and have I, actual I, I, I food? Don't know, because because you actually don't have to do anything, but you can watch them magically grow right before your eyes. Yeah. I mean, they. I mean, I mean, you you can just get into. Do you realize that this is a worse game than Space Invaders? We should have. Moved on where video games get more exciting yeah. and more fun, not less fun. Yeah, now we're just watching things well, fucking grow. Do, I, 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 like, when did like Pong came out? Like 74, right? Something yeah, yeah, like that. I guarantee you, if Farmville came out in 74, there would be no fucking video game business. Turn up Because people would have said, fuck this. Let's just keep on playing pinball machines. Well, it's kind of like Harvest Moon, though, and and that game that game is just terrible. But but Farmville, you, you just have to like, you, you know, you know, Farmville, you just plant stuff and you watch it grow right before your eyes. You remind me of the Chinese girl from fucking uh, Knocked Up that smokes pot with all oh, the dudes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, hey, I mean, it's all it's all groovy. It's all groovy. Where are you calling from, honey? I'm calling from Maryland. All right, why don't you walk outside? It's fucking Farmville there. I <laughs> uh, I'll try to do that. It's just it's just like fucking 90, 90 degrees out today. It's burning hot. All right, well then I'd stay in your room and then play Maryland the fucking game. All right, okay. bye, honey. All right, bye bye. Run the state of Maryland. But I mean, she's surrounded by farms. It's great farmland there. Yeah. But she probably never goes to any farms, but she plays Farmville on the computer. Got a nice laptop, got Farmville going, talking to friends on Facebook. And now she can start the Margaritaville bar. This is like a guy in Pittsburgh going, I'm pretending I work in a steel mill. <laughs> it's great. Um, let's go over here to uh, Fred in D.C. You're in my face. Hey, Ron. Um, just talking about the Farmville thing. Um, Wanted to let you know, Lily is actually a friend of mine on the Cityville game. So we we share tasks together and help each other out build our own cities. Now, Cityville is you try to build a city. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You build your own shops. You grow some crops. You uh, build some buildings. Lily really needs a job. <laughs> she really does. She's a lot of time to fill. Jesus. No, I agree. <laughs> Again, a, a colossal waste of time. But, go to a commissioner's meeting in any fucking city. No one's there. They would love to have your help. Is any city planner not stressed the fuck out, probably, and just overworked and psychotic? 
and can't get the fucking citizens of whatever town <laughs> to listen to you. Uh, Doug, you're in my face. Uh, yeah, I just want to defend the Margaritaville restaurant. Go ahead. It is delicious. Their cheeseburger in paradise is fucking amazing. It's Fridays a with a fucking restaurant. picture of Jimmy Buffett there. No, no, don't even. Listen, yes, even. I'm. That's what love it. There's little kids everywhere. There's hot dogs, hamburgers. It's great. Yes, that's called Fridays. It's the no. same fucking thing. Why no, do you Friday need to eat at a fucking chain named after a 1970s soft rock singer? <laughs> Got Buffett playing the whole time in there. I guess that's a fucking... That brings him in. Christ. That's fucking crazy. He's a mastermind, that Buffett. Well, I'm going to be going to the fucking Steely Dance Steakhouse. It should be fantastic. Would Steely Shodan have you, a fucking sushi fucking You part? see, we, we carve it with our steely knives, but we just can't kill the beast. It's fucking crazy. Um, I'm going to go go to the Matahoopal ice cream parlor and just... Um, let's go over uh, the Xander. Xander, you're on the Run of Fest show. Yeah, my uh, my girlfriend waits tables for a living. It drives her crazy. And then she comes home and she'll play that stupid Diner Dash game for two hours and drive herself crazy doing that. It's beyond me. So she works in a restaurant and then comes home and plays Diner on the computer. Yeah, yeah, I played it once. I used to wait tables. I played it once. I just couldn't do it. Because Tell her to do this. Just like fucking work. stay at work and get OT. Make some extra money. But yeah. Thanks, man. Um... We're insane. We're literally insane in this country. We're fucking retarded. The more mundane, the better. The more monotonous. I don't know. Whatever happened to like having a video games where you can fucking blow people up? Seriously, you want to go to the Matahoopa bar with me? Okay, sure. Um, my friend will have all the young booze, and I'll have the no, nothing. <laughs> Um, Bill, Bill, you're on my face. Hey, Ronnie B, this is uh, Phil in New Orleans. Uh, I want to say you're right, man. We got a Margaritaville down here in the French Quarter, and it's fucking chilies with Margaritaville on the sign, you know? It's the same and then, thing. And the, and the uh, Paradise Burger that guy was talking about, man, it's a goddamn Cisco patty, frozen patty, like every other restaurant you go to. There's no difference. You know, I bet that asshole's in there with his wife and kids, and he's like, keeps looking around to see if Jimmy's coming in. Yeah, go, let's go to the French Quarter and go to fucking Margaritaville. Oh, and you got all this God. good food around, and that's the place you pick. Fuck that. Uh, let's go over here to Chris. Chris, you're on my fest. Pack people. Yeah, Ronnie, uh, down here in Mississippi uh, on the Gulf Coast, uh, Buffett's opening up a casino and resort. So he's, he's a businessman. He that then he ought to fucking just write a song called "I'm a businessman." Give me money. Yeah. I don't seriously. I don't want that. Doesn't fit in with "Come Monday." Uh, oh, like "Come Monday" in your face. Jizz is fucking. Uh, Come Monday, I'll be checking my portfolio. Come Monday. Oh God. Let's see. Uh, we could take the Deadhead scheme and turn it into Parrothead. And if anybody's using any of my logos, I'll sue the shit out of them. 
check out the parking lot and make sure no one's selling any of their own hats or T-shirts. I don't know if he talks that way. I was saying it was a good Buffett, but I'm just guessing. I that. like it. Um, but we're in a really fucking crazy place. It's very strange. Otto, you're my fez. Hey, Ron, I prefer the Def Leppard Waffle Hut, but... Um, oh, God, I went to the Def Leppard place. How was it? It's great, and, like, there's, like, different... They got their pants up on the wall and their albums, and then there's just one arm on the wall, and no. you could put a pen in it and kind of move the paper around and get an autograph. That's awesome. Now, really, why I called was, you know, this, this whole thing with these bad video games, it just reminds me what Fran Leibowitz said in her documentary, that what did, what did entertainment turn, in, turn into watching people just do their shitty jobs? Yeah, she was talking about reality TV, and it is true, like, you'll just, there's shows of spot welders, see if they can weld all the spots in time. He's a contractor, he's gonna do your fucking lawn. Seriously, there's a show called King of Dirt where the guy's just fucking doing people's lawns. Now, if someone was fucking doing your lawn... And then he got off and, and started, like, knocking on your door. You'd be like, what does that asshole want? <laughs> you would not be out there watching him like it was a live show. Oh, wow. He's, he's using those stones. It looks great. We are so far away from reality now. It's bad We shit. are bad shit. Bat shit. Crazy town. Uh, Ron and Fez show. Uh, we are live right now. That's uh, right. The way we're doing it is three hours taped. Mm-hmm. Uh, which you heard earlier today. And then uh, one hour live every day. I finished my first week. I am done one week of Grand Jury. One down. Uh, Monday we get off. Memorial Day. Then I got only got to do three more weeks. All right. I can't do it. <laughs> oh, God. I seriously can't do it. <sighs> um, let's go over here to... Uh, let's go to Kyle. Kyle, you're on my fez. Hey, what about uh, Jim Croce's restaurant? Should they come out with a big, bad Leroy Brown Facebook game, too? You know, uh, Jim Croce would have been Buffett if that fucking plane didn't go down. Everything Buffett did, Croce had done a couple really? years before, and then the, <laughs> then the uh, fucking plane crashed. But I just don't understand why Buffett doesn't think to himself, I got enough money. I, maybe it's all a sham. Maybe he's pissed a lot of it away. Uh, because once you hit a billion and you're fucking, he's constantly on tour. He's still fucking touring and selling shit out. Only in the summer. No one will fucking see his shows if it's chilly. <laughs> if he fucking goes somewhere and it rains, uh, like, let's get out of here. Yeah, I guess those fucking Hawaiian shirts don't really fucking protect against the elements. It's another thing. You're fucking pushing a Key West. Why are you wearing a Hawaiian shirt? <laughs> you're not in fucking Hawaii. Um... Here's uh, Andy. You're on my face. Hey, yeah. Uh, you were talking about the uh, music-themed restaurants at Myrtle Beach. There's actually a coffee shop that's all Kiss-themed. Um, but is Kiss running it? I have no idea what... I mean, you know how Gene Simmons will sell anything to anyone. That's like, true. The, the building is shaped like they're giant boots. All right. Um, nice. Let's see, I'm going over here. Pat from Minaki wants to uh, start a Bachman-Turner overdrive place and have the BTO BLT with a side of Glenn Fry's. All right, Glenn Fry's is in the Eagles. 
But actually, this could be fun. We could end up just getting a rock and roll restaurant menu. If you want to just hashtag that, I'll read them off on Twitter. Rock and roll restaurant menu. I don't know, maybe we could do, I don't know, like an ice cream place with the Pixies. Just have little Pixie cups that we could sit. Oh, that'd be great. Let me get a Kim Deal. We're running a good deal on a Kim Deal right now. <laughs> oh, she's delicious. <clears throat> and I'll have a Black Fran- Francis Black Cow. <laughs> Spank you! Um... Here's uh, Anthony. You're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah. Hey, Ronnie, while you're still going through the grand jury, why don't you do some uh, nighttime shows instead of uh, the pre-taping stuff? You know, we're going to check on that, uh, on, but we ought to do a couple of those. Definitely. The only problem that we have is because of D.C., there's the whole computer, blah, 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 yeah. but uh, we could definitely look into that. Uh Let's go over here to uh, JV. You're on my face. Hey, Ronnie. Uh. Down here in Texas, man, we do grand jury for a whole year. I'm serving right now on a grand jury twice a month for an entire year. Yeah, I take that deal right now. You have no <laughs> idea what it's like to be in there every day. I've already done two and a half months this fucking week. Is that the same other jurors? Yeah, people? we're all fucking sitting there together. Today we today it was like twelve angry men. We were fucking <laughs> going back and forth. And I wish you could. I, I wish I could tell you what it was about. Um, but I can't oh. uh, because it's yeah, you know it's, fucking yeah. illegal. Yeah. But just think of like the least bit of fucking thing that you could get in trouble for in New York. Okay, I think I got it. And we we argued all about that. Oh, Jesus we went crazy Christ. over that. But the important shit, we're just like, oh god, I don't even want to fucking know. Just lock them, please, lock them up. Put them away, Just please. Get out of our, front, of, <laughs> front of my face. Um, Why is it even in front of a jury? It's obvious. Here's uh, Rob. Rob, you're on my face. What's up, buddies? BAC two seven six. Um, what do you say, pal? All right, for dessert after the Glen Fries, can I have some Jackson Brownie? Oh, that's nice. Uh, Eric, here's our buddy, Eric. Yeah. Check it. Chicago's opening up the Chicago's Cajun Grill, and their special is going to be Saturday in the Park Sandwich. <laughs> now, no, I'm, checking, uh, I'm checking on the price here. Is it 25 or 6 to 4? I think it's 6 to 4 on it. Okay. Discounts. Yo, one more thing. Going back to the Jimmy Buffett. Don't you ever feel like Jimmy Buffett concerts are like deadheads with money when you go to the parking lot? Um, well, they're weekend people where the deadheads were fucking seriously, the yeah, they were with the band. These guys just like, they work in a cubicle all week and then they show up with a fake parrot on their head. Wasted. Yeah. Fucking pounding it. And their whole big thing is drinking in the parking lot. Like, there's not like people on acid at fucking Buffett shows, right? right? No. <laughs> that would be fucking real weird. There's people bring blenders to those fucking shows. <laughs> Some serious tailgating. Um, Greg, you're on a fest. Hey, Ronnie. I'm, I did a jury last year. I had this guy who was in there. No matter what evidence they'd bring up, he would just, oh, he'd just take his glasses off and look around and be like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Real confused, and he'd never get along with anyone. It's horrible. Well, the thing is, is like, um, 
There's no IQ test to get in there. <laughs> and then there's also Take no reason that you should... I mean, me, myself, I'm fucking forced mm-hmm. to be there. Yeah, fucking eight times. I was talking with this uh, Latin lady today, and she was, like, shocked that eight times that I got out of it, she's like, oh, my God, how does this ever happen? Jordan number one. <laughs> I mean, don't worry about it, Jordan number three. That's just the fucking way I roll. Chill out, three. All right, I but a lot of the jurors will start talking to each other in Spanish. I will tell you that they fucking talk against us. That's not good. So I go to the other guys, to the white guys. I go, let's talk to each other in English. But the problem is, Spanish people are so much smarter than us; they know two languages. So I go, then let's just talk Kizarni. We'll fucking Kizarni this up. Um, good. Show them how it feels. Ron Red Dog wants the red hot chili pepper chicken salad. Uh, Magapest came up with Fats Domino Pizza. You see, we could have rock restaurants. Delicious. You could have a rock restaurant menu. Um, Teddy, you're on my fez. What's up, though? Yeah. I got peanut butter and pearl jam is one I have, but I, I just wanted to, uh, uh <laughs> went to a Buffett concert last year. Love Buffett, love his music. Yeah. What a whore. What an absolute whore. He has, a. Uh, Land Shark beer. It's actually getting popular now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Everything um, he does turns to gold. Look, no that, one ever said... All they sell. The that's guy is not a... He's a very good businessman. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it just shouldn't work. This crazy fucking gimmick. For but so he long. hasn't written a, a fucking hit in 35 years. Yeah, he hasn't put out any new material, right? It's all best stuff every fucking time. <laughs> um, all right, let's see what some of these people are uh, sending in. Um... They want to take Fish, your band, nice. uh, my favorite band, Sticks, and have a Fish Sticks restaurant with Fish Sticks for All sale. Right. I'll go. Um, Ted Nugent's Cat, uh, cat Scratch Catfish. Mm. Uh, um, white Stripe Bass. Delicious. Uh, Coldplay Creamery. Oh, that's nice. Neutral Milkshake Hotel. Mm. Oh, Ron Red Dog is also uh, laying some sad news on us. Uh, Spy report. Spy report. Spy report. The star of the TV show Taxi and the movie Grease. And by saying star, I mean the supporting player on both of those. Uh, Jeff Conway uh, passed away. Uh, That is according to Ron Red Dog. Now, I will say he was definitely the star... Of that Dr. Drew Pinsky's fucking... The first, he was the first few seasons. The first two seasons, at least, yeah. And the Sober House, too. Yeah, and every time he got sober, his fucking hips hurt, remember? Oh, yeah. I, I gotta go back in the surgery. Um, well, his girlfriend's uh, all right. Let's go over here to Bill and Philly. You're in my face. Howdy, B. How are you, sir? Good. I never, I never hear you guys bust uh, Hard Rock Johnny's balls about his chain restaurant. Thank are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Have you ever listened to our show? We rape him. It ain't pretty. He fucking... The last time I was over there for Eddie Trunk's party, he made me try every appetizer. <laughs> All the fucking shit you say. Tell me this isn't good. Johnny, it's not... Uh, it's Chain. Was he hurt? Mm-hmm. I call it Allison Chain's restaurants. Um, here's Big, German Fez. Hey, I don't mean to make Pepper hungry, but let's get some garlic grateful bread over here. Mm. Mm. Uh, Ryan, you're on the Run Fez show. 
Yeah, Rick Ocasek's restaurant. I mean, it's shitty Buddy Holly waiters, $5 milkshakes, and stay away from my best friend's grilled chicken sandwich. Oh, God. <laughs> Sean, you're on the Run of Fez show. Guys with ears of corn. Uh, thanks. Uh, let's go over here. King of Jericho says uh, Gyro Tull could have a nice one. Uh, Crosby Stills and Nash Potatoes. Uh, comes in banana rama split with nuts, please. Oh, banana rama split with nuts. Um, Mikey boy, Paco Bell. Oh, Poco Bell. That doesn't make sense though. Um, here's Al Green eggs and ham. Question mark in the mysterious meat came in. I don't know if I need that. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 96 beers. That's good. That's really, really good. Mike, you're on run fez uh, I'm in the mood for some comfort food. I'm thinking Fleetwood Mac and cheese. Oh, don't stop thinking about tipping your waitress. Um, it is the run and fez show. We are live right now. And maybe at some point we'll be able to do some night shows. That way I can be up early in the morning and out late at night and really just make everything perfect. Um, John, you're on a fez. Uh, yeah, buddy. Ron, you were talking about uh, how it was almost like 12 angry men in there today. Um, have you met anybody on the grand jury that you could compare to a, any member of the cast of that movie? Um, no, actually I could compare more of my grand jury... Probably with West Side Story. Shane, you're on the Run of Fez show. Actually, you're up for a slice of red velvet underground cake. Oh, that sounds delicious. And, you know, dessert's always part of the meal. Um, Tim, you're on the Run of Fez. Hey, Ron, how about a Doobie Brothers barbecue with Michael McDonald milkshake? Better food believes. Um, synchronicity chicken by the police. Uh, Pat's back with Led Zeppelin's. <laughs> Leonard Ice Cream Cohen's. And Smashing Pumpkin Pie. Nice. Uh, it's the Ron and Fez show. I can't believe that uh, Fez isn't all over this. He loves wordplay. Loves it. But doesn't know a lot of bands. Yeah. So this has got to be hurting him. Uh, Al, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey. Yeah. For the ladies, Toasted Almond Brothers. Uh, Brian, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. Hey, in the mood for seafood, I'd love some uh, moody bluefish. Uh, here is uh, Rob, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Ronnie B. How about a little lunch in that? Maybe a culture club sandwich? No, I'm fucking starving, seriously. Um, Lou. Ron and Fez show. Lou. Fez, you're looking crazy today. You're all oh, fucking... Well, yeah, all... You all right? You're all tight and up order. All worked up. Uh, Andy, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Yeah, uh, I went through a chain restaurant hell. I was on vacation with my in-laws, and there was a Friday's in our restaurant, so we ate there every, or in our hotels, we ate there every fucking night, except for one, when we splurged, and we went to Bubba Gump Shrimp Company, because we don't have those in Cleveland. Oh, God. Um, let's go over here. Chris Cornell on the Cobb. Uh, ben Shepard's Pie. 
Spoonman Soup at the Soundgarden Grill. A frosty sublimeade, as Higgs likes to put it. I'd like uh, to see Carly Simon open a restaurant with Carly Fries as part of uh, your so main course. Uh, here's Steve. You're on the Run Fez show. Yeah, after I have my Paul McCartney and chicken wings, I'm going to have a replacement. Uh, Frank, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, I believe I'll just have the meatloaf. And just leave it at that. Meatloaf's meatloaf. You know what? You should have tried that by now. Yeah, come on. Come on, meat. Uh, Dave, you're on my fez. Hey, I'd like to try the Al Green Beans. Mm, I don't really try any, aren't you? Um, Jenna, you're on my fez. Um, yeah, I think a good idea would be a David Bowie restaurant on the Ambiguously Gay Sandwich. Hi, Fezzy. Um, it really would be great to go to a restaurant where you do... Two fucking bumps and make out with a guy. That would really... 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Dave, what do you got for me, pal? Hey, what about something for the ladies? Like Nirvana's Crepe Me. Now, Dave, where are you calling from? Cleveland. So this Miami Heat thing has just got to be crushing to you, right? No, fuck LeBron. No, LeBron fucks you, my friend. (laughs) There he is. Everything he said was going to happen, here he is in the finals. Crush the Bulls. And this is going to drive America crazy because now you've got to root for Dallas Mavericks. (laughs) The team that should be and normally is the most hateable team, people are going to be cheering for them. They're the face now. It's fucking crazy. Mark Cuban must be loving it. I don't think Mark Cuban knows how to act when he gets (laughs) everyone behind him. He is used to being the fucking bad guy. Pretty fucking awesome. Mark Cuban's going like this. Um, thinking about wearing a... I don't like a cape to this thing. I don't know, Mark. You don't need to do that. Um, Eccentric. Nate, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, buddies. How about we sell some soup, salad, and sandwiches, and we'll call it Pantera bread. Oh, that's really nice. Um, here's um, Garth, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, buddy, shout out to Pink Floyd Restaurant where uh, salmon is a special. You know what I feel like? I'm on a car trip with my friends and we're trying to pass the time. Um, let's go over some of these folks. Veggie Watts, Ham Morrison, um, Motley Brew with dinner, uh, Bruce String Beans, Brisket Sister, Gaz, that might be the best so far, Brisket Sister, uh, Shish Kebab Dylan's. The Rolling Scones, B-52 Flavors, Peter Frampton, Iggy Popsicles, and Rush Puppies. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Jason, you're on the Run of Fez show. Oh, to make any of this food, you're going to need some Stevie Wonder Bread. Uh, here's Frank. You're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, I went to the box tops, and my baby loaded the lettuce wraps. Hey! Hey! That was fun, Fez, that used to yell, hey. Now he goes like this. Fuck you and your mother. <laughs> when did you become your mom joke guy? I don't know. It's uh, in the past couple years. In the past couple years. Uh, Steve, you're on the air. Yeah, I bought Metallica. Enter sandwich. Yeah! No, I'm fucking starving. Um... Sorry, I ate my whole sandwich today, too. I didn't split with you. You deserve that whole sandwich. Mm, but actually, I didn't even have the last couple bites. I'm like, I just don't want Hicks to get this. Really? It's spiteful? Yeah, it's spiteful. Because in my mind, I made up a thing that you and I had an argument. <laughs> so I 
Fucking, I'm, I'm out to fucking ruin you now. I just daydreamed it. Uh, Scotty, you're on the Fez. What's up, fellas? How you doing today? Yeah. I got uh, nine-inch nachos. Red Dragons. I'm not trying. Uh, Paul, you're on the Fez. Paul. Once, twice. Uh, Andrew, you're on running Fez. Hey, Ronnie B. What about the Oingo Boingo restaurant and the special of Dead Man Soup? I'm going to fuck you and your mother in the ass. Good, good habit, yeah. Whatever happened to... Hey! I miss the haze. Paul, you're on Run and Fez show. Can I get a Run DM Caesar salad, Ron? Mm, no, 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 you're really you're trying too hard. Uh, Mikey Boy's back with clashed potatoes. <laughs> you know, Mikey, I'm going to keep pulling for you. I really want you to get it. Uh, here's the next one, Flantera. Oh, that would be Flantera. Scrambled Edge and Cinnabono. Mm. Lady Trucker came up with Don't Stop Beer Leaving. <laughs> what? What? Uh, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Or you can go over on 202 Friends, rocking out a rock star menu, a rock and roll menu. Hashtag a Twitter status. Um, Cordon Blues Travelers. YouTube steak. And here is uh, Lou in Cincinnati. Yeah, when I'm hungry and I need a miracle, I go to the Grateful Deli. <laughs> need a miracle. I forgot about that. Oh, hell yeah. I always need a miracle in the fucking shit. Kevin, you're on a Fez. Yeah, how about a little grilled sandwich? A turkey Reuben stuttered. Oh, way to bring Idol back into it. It's coming alive. Sean, you're on a Fez. Uh, to start, I'll have a Soundgarden salad, and for my friend Fez, I'll have a Bohemian Lettuce Rhapsody. Fuck you and your mom in the ass. Uh, Benny King Crab Legs, Radio Bread, and Manfred Manwich, Motley Snoo Stew, all right here on a Rock and Roll Menu. Uh, here's one, oh, back from Gaz. Paul Westernburger with extra BBQ sauce. Um, I wouldn't mind um, some Emerson Bacon Palmer. Mm, what a lucky man you are. Uh, Brian, you're on the Run Fest show. No one got it with a mmm. I tried to fucking mmm. What a lucky man. Okay, nothing. Anyway, that's one of the songs that the band does. Uh, but I, uh, I love the joke, Fez. Uh, Brian. Uh, when I'm up in the boogie down, I want like to go get some Dead Kennedy's fried chicken. I'm just going to say this again. Mmm, what a lucky man you are. That was a fucking good tag. And if I got to do it alone, I mean, I don't have Earl here today. Or he'd be like, oh, my God. He's a big oh, by the way, I had to go to a screening last night, and Earl followed me all the way there. Really? Yeah. I saw him leave with you. I thought he's reliving it. Right up until I was going to the end of the door. And he's talking to me in the dark. And by the way, that was one crazy fucking documentary yeah. he sent me to. Bat shit. In a good way? Like, the, the story itself is just fucking totally insane? If it wasn't a documentary, I'd go, why would they make up something so fucking crazy? Well, that sounds great, then. Yeah. Uh, can you believe this is what the problem is only doing an hour a day? And I don't know how the Tonight Show does it. Mm. If I was fucking, you know, Jay Leno, I'd be like, that's it? Yeah, We're done? done. My, my workday's done? Uh, so we will see you guys back here on Tuesday, which I like to call Jews Day. Um, but I want you to have a very memorable Memorial Weekend. 
And uh, remember the war dead. I think that's what Memorial Day is for, right? The war dead? Yeah. Honor yeah. them. Honor them. Think about them. And then barbecue. Those three things. Grill it up. Get a couple 18 packs. And if you go by, um, you know what they say with drunken driving, at least one of you people listening today is going to be dead. So thank you for listening when you did. That was great. I'm glad that you that you've spent the last couple of days of your life listening to this show. It means a lot to me. Farewell, listener, whoever you are. <sighs> Thanks for everybody sending stuff in. Um, Parliament Funkadeli, Parliament Funkadeli. Oh, that was too good to miss. All right, guys. See you here. I don't know whether we've got anything to plug. Oh, and on Mass this weekend, this is our first time plugging it live. On Mass this weekend, is it Paul Reiser? It's Paul Reiser. It's 8 p.m. New time, 8 p.m. on the virus. Oh, uh, and uh, we're running in all sports. Uh, oh, all basketball. All b-ball, baby. Uh, listen to this this weekend. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Walton, Earl the Pearl Monroe, and Walt Clyde. Frazier on Ron Bennington interview. Fucking old century team on RBI fucking this weekend. Parliament Funkadeli. Parliament Funkadeli. That's it for us. Peace. And that's the end of my show. Donk. <laughs>